Quiet Tribe, where you at? I hope you're ready, rising from the ashes and it's getting heavy Conspiracies, we got plenty and some are scary From aliens to Bigfoot, extraordinary, yeah, yeah Danunaki Dan and the homie Romy I was bugging out, all the crazy things he showed me Jesus bloodlines to the stars in the skies Always a good time, vibing with the fire tribe Hey, So wake up, wake up, get it cracking Rise out the ashes, I know you got a passion Kick off the combo with theories, many conspiracies Other dimensions, plenty ancient history Fire tribe, where you at? Wake up we about to get into it I know you can't get enough At home, at work It don't matter, turn it up Rising from the ashes You know what's up, hey. uh, Rising from the ashes Hello everyone and welcome to Rising From the ashes I'm Danny Naki Dan And I am the homie Romy How art thou? What's up, homie? What's good in the hood? Oh, just another crazy day, uh, you know, working on the farm. How you? Oh, you know, just uh, chilling today. I had the day off, so I just uh, kicked it, man. Kicked it. Nice. You don't get a lot of days off, so we love it for you when you do. Uh, I, I do. I get two days off a week, but it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> They're just uh, not always together. Ooh, but when they are, ooh, that magic, that can that that kindling ooh. on that fire. Oh yeah, it's magic. Today on the show we have Mad Hatter, aka Tarrant Firestride. It is absolutely amazing. Uh we go into a bunch of different shit. Hermeticism, crystal, earth magnet, goodness. Mm -hmm. He's got a lot of information, bro. It's a good episode. Yeah, man. I like it. I I love the stuff about crystals. We haven't really gotten into crystals yet, uh, but I dig it, man. I love crystals. I have them all over my house and every room and every corner and every, every, everywhere. I even... Have them in certain orifices sometimes. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Maybe. We don't know if you're kidding or serious. So can you tell us, please? No, I can't. Uh, no, I don't. I do not. I do not. Um, but uh, yeah, it's fascinating. It's uh, He's a cool dude. I like him a lot. And uh, I vibe with, his, uh, with what he's saying, too, you know. Uh, I'm into the word magic and stuff also, so uh, I connect pretty hard with what he tells us. Yeah, I think this one, like, it it goes into history, but it also, because we were mainly thinking we're going to talk crystals, but then we go into some actual good historical stuff and, and some origins. And, uh, I mean... Talking about crystals, we're talking about things that have been forming inside the earth for thousands of years, hundreds of thousands mm-hmm. of years, and they contain raw earth energy. So if anybody has questions whether or not these things hold power, we'll just yeah. look at what we use them for in modern science. And, yeah. what, you know, yeah. they're, they're amazing. There's, there's no doubt that they, that they have uh, some, some deeper meaning to them. Yeah, and what I thought it was crazy is when he told us that one exploded when he was doing work with it. I was like, "Holy shit!" Like one exploded. <laughs> I've never, 
I've never heard of that before. So that was the first time I heard of that. But I don't really work with crystals in, in quite the way that he does. You know, I just put them around my house as decoration, I guess, and I, I feel energy from them. But that keeps the vibes tight. Yeah, that's cool. He tells us how to keep them clean, cleansed and uh, how to get more energy out of them and all kinds of different things you can do with them, which I had uh, really no idea about, too. Uh, so it's pretty cool. And uh, yeah, man, it's a good show. Good show. Good show. Good show, mate. Uh, what you got for us today in... News. Yo, um, so news you can trust. Angel dust. Uh, I thought we'd keep it kind of rocky today. Um, talking about something that I have found very beneficial in my life. It's called bentonite yeah. clay. Have you heard of this? Ooh, no, I have not. Okay. Well, Bent. I think you're going to love it. Am I? So, right. so bentonite clay is commonly used today in the creation of skincare products and beauty regimens to create shiny, healthy hair and soothe sensitive skin. However, in many cultures, it has been used as a healing clay for thousands of years. And here is a brief history of bentonite clay and just some of the ways it's been incorporated in health and beauty rituals over time. Composed of minerals such as calcium, iron, potassium, sodium, magnesium, bentonite clay is derived from volcanic ash sediment. Bentonite is named after Fort Benton, Wyoming, a town which boasts the largest known deposit of this type of clay. Fort Benton also happens to be home to many dormant volcanoes. And another name for Bentonite is Montomorlanite clay, which is named after the French region of Montomorlian, where the clay was originally found. Cultural uses of this bentonite clay goes far back into history, and we see a mention um, uh, just almost 200,000 years ago, supposedly, when they say that the Neanderthals uh, may have used clay and mud to bathe and calm skin wounds. And then you jump forward to the 300s BC, where we find the Greek philosopher Aristotle writing about those who ingested clay internally for health purposes. And around 60 BC in Rome, where there are references to people employing minerals and stones to treat skin issues. And early indigenous Native Americans called bentonite Iwaki which means the mud that heals. They saw clay as a tool to reduce infection, pain, and during rituals. And uh, a personal note, when my tooth fell out, which I've told you guys before, had a tooth fall out of my mouth and I refused to go to the dentist, I was using some of the, you know, uh, big brand names that I thought would help my mouth if I just, you know, kept brushing and kept keeping it clean. And I had black gum where the infection was in my mouth. And it wasn't until I switched from that to a toothpaste, which the first ingredient is bentonite clay, where the infection went down, the black went away on my gums. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. And then I started looking it up and it's been used for this for a long time. And so oh. here's another article from old times. Um, 
from the National Institute of Health. So modern science. The humankind has used clays externally or internally for maintaining body health for treating some diseases. Meanwhile, there are few scientific articles reviewing the beneficial effects of clay on body function. Bentonite clay is one of the available clays in nature used as traditional habits and remedies in many cultures. There are articles explored among 2,500 scientific articles published in PubMed and this article uh, goes into about a hundred of them, so it's long. But I'm just going to get through the introduction, and then I'll go into some other stuff. So, geophagy. Have you heard of geophagy? <laughs> uh, sounds funny. I it's, think I might have heard you say it before. Uh, it's literally geophagy. Geophagy. Uh, it's literally hey, eating geophagy. earth. Uh, eating earth. It's what? Eating earth. So okay. like non-food items like mud or sand but in this (laughs) uh in this uh, in this region that we're talking about we're talking about clay um and so thought i would uh describe that for you guys so geophagy has been considered an adaptive behavior in humans and animals and the clays have been considered the healing materials from ancient times as geophagia is occasionally in the habits of animals and humans Physiologically, it is assumed that earth might have some beneficial effects on body function. No shit. Bentonite is an absorbent aluminum philosophicate clay and is named after Fort Benton, which we had gone over. Um, It has been used and eaten from ancient time till now as human believes its therapeutic benefits. When it's mixed with water, a paste is formed, which has been used both externally and internally. And in some places, such as Iran, it has been widely used as a hair cleanser from old time. There's enough literature showing us that safety after chronic oral consumption, as this clay is abundant, non-expensive, and natural. This article aimed to review the scientific papers reporting the effects of clay on the body. Um... Among the best antibiotics for an abscessed tooth are colloidal silver, bentonite clay, and raw garlic. Colloidal silver, also referred to as silver hydrosol, and bentonite clay are extremely effective because not only can they be used internally, but they can be applied externally directly to the affected tooth or teeth. This advantage is very important because in traditional modern medicine, prescribed antibiotics are almost always failing to clear up the infection completely resulting in treatment by extracting the tooth or performing what's known as a root canal, which mm. sucks. Canal. Yeah, not about getting root canals, dude. Um, <laughs> when the infection lies at the root of the tooth, it is generally considered an unreachable by any antibiotic, chemical or natural circulating in the bloodstream. This is why antibiotics can be directly applied to the infected tooth and gum, such as colloidal silver and bentonite have the advantage. Bentonite clay has been used for thousands of years in folk medicine as both absorbent and adsorbent properties. Exposure to water causes the clay to swell and turn into somewhat of a natural sponge. With spaces and cracks into toxins and pathogenic viruses literally can be absorbed as they are pulled away from the inside of the tooth and the gum. Bentonite can and should be applied directly to the tooth and gum. Unlike bentonite, however, colloidal silver also should be taken internally as it has antibacterial and antiviral properties and that are active internally and externally. These all 
natural substances can be successfully employed as antibiotics for an abscessed tooth using different methods that vary slightly. For example, some people will soak a cotton ball with liquid bentonite and place it around the tooth and gum held there for almost uh, constantly until the infection is gone. When the cotton is removed, it can be replaced by another piece that is soaked in colloidal silver. And some people had excellent results within a couple days by mixing the silver and bentonite together before soaking the cotton ball to be applied to the tooth and gum. If colloidal silver cannot be obtained, chewing at least three raw garlic cloves in a day goes to much to help fight infection internally. Bentonite and colloidal silver. (laughs) And also fight the vampires. Hey, silver and garlic? (laughs) Holy shit. Yeah. Weird, huh? (laughs) Um, And actually, that's pretty much wraps it up. Um, But you you guys ever have control. Oh, my God. See, it fits into Tartarine. <laughs> Garlic and silver helps fight tartar control. And throw, throw clay balls at them <laughs> just, to, just to fuck with them. Another cool thing I found out, too, about clay is um, was clay baking. They'll, like, take a clay solution and dip, like, fish or meat in it and then throw it around the fire. And it'll mm-hmm. bake the fish inside of the clay. And when the clay cracks... That's when oh. the meat is like cooked inside. Oh, wow. That's cool. thought that was pretty tight. Yeah. So if you're by a river, usually you can find clay like in the river banks and everything. And then you mm-hmm. mix it with water in a bucket. And then the clay separates and goes to the bottom, pour off the water. And then you have like raw clay. Wow. Have primitive you ever tried cooking. that before? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I used to work at a primitive skills school. So we did like outdoor cooking and that was one of the things we did for the kids. Oh, wow. How'd the fish come out? Good, man. I mean, you know, white flaky fish with a little bit of, a little bit of clay never hurt nobody. (laughs) You're naturally going to get a little bit of, a little bit of clay in there. But another thing is you can eat it internally and actually helps with uh, digestion. So fuck it. Full send. Full send. Um, (laughs) Yeah, man. Uh, so today, I knew Roman was going to bring this up, and he didn't do it. So I'm going to do it. I'm going to steal it from you, Roman. Oh, shit. And I'm going to talk about the seven hermetic principles. Nice. Uh, huh? Yes. It comes from the Kybalion. Uh, it's uh it's a book produced under the pseudonym Three Initiate Three Initiates. It's based on the teaching of a reverse sage of the past, Hermes Trismegistus, which is Hermes three great thrice great. That's Hermes, Thoth, and Mercury. Uh, the name translates to thrice greatest, referring to his mastery over the three planes of existence as explained in Hermetic philosophy, the physical, mental, and spiritual. In Egypt, he went under the name of Thoth, and in Greece was known as Hermes. Oh, I jumped ahead the article. (laughs) Each chapter in the Kabbalion is devoted to each of its seven principles or axioms that are considered universal laws. This school of thinking goes back thousands of years to the past, let's be honest, people were different and culture has changed, but the world is in core the world in its core has still stayed mostly the same. So here's, I'm just going to tell you what the seven hermetic principles are. 
If you, uh, if Roman, if you would like me to elaborate on them, I will. But I'm going to go uh, hermetic act also means secret, esoteric, or occult. It refers to knowledge that's in correspondence with the con- conduct of the universe. Someone who understands these laws is wise and can use them to master all of the three planes of existence. In an everyday setting, these principles can help you to come to terms with some of the fundamental aspects of the world and apply that to your life. So here's the seven principles. The first principle is the principle of mentalism. Uh, Everything that exists in spirit or everything that exists is spirit. Matter is just densified spirit. Spirit is just refined matter. All is just energy. The all, the substantial reality underlying all the outward manifestations and appearances which we know under the universe is spirit. It's undefinable but considered as having a universal living mind. Number two is the principle of correspondence. As above, so below. As within, so without. As the universe, so the soul. This phrase is very common in hermetic philosophy. It basically means that everything, all of the planes of existence, are connected and in correspondence. The macrocosm is found in the microcosm and vice versa. Solar systems, societies, and life on Earth reflects the same thing on the cellular and atomic level. I'm down with that. Absolutely. Uh, The number three is the principle of vibration. Nothing rests, everything moves, and everything vibrates. This principle says that everything starting from the largest of matter down to the tiniest of particles is at different degrees of vibration. Modern science can endorse that every atom and molecule is vibrating at certain motion, speed, and frequency. The combination of this energy determines the physical or substantial form of any given object. Even something that seems to be still, for example, a chair, is actually in a state of motion. Its electrons are still moving around and there is even space between them. Nothing is at rest. Nothing is at rest, flat earthers. The Number four, the principle of polarity. Everything is dual. Everything has poles. Everything has its pair of opposites. Like and unlike are the same. Opposites are identical in nature, but different in degree. Extremes meet. All truths are but half-truths. All paradoxes may be reconciled. So, Everything has its opposite. The sun and the moon, good and bad, night and day, polarity. Number five, also, the principle. Oh, can I chime in on that one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, polarity is also creating like kinetic energy, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, North and South Pole creates this type of very, very, very important cosmic energy. You've got to have one. you got to have the other in order to have the combustion and having it in motion also creates the magnetism, right? Absolutely. So number five, the principle of rhythm. Everything flows out and in. Everything has its tides. All things rise and fall. 
the pendulum swing manifests in everything. The measure of the swing to the right is the measure of the swing to the left. Rhythm compensates. Uh, number six, the principle of cause and effect. Every cause has its effect. Every effect has its cause. Polarity again. Everything happens according to law. Chance is but a name for a law not recognized. There are many planes of causation, but nothing escapes the law. There is no such thing as chance. Chance is just a term we use when the exact causes of certain effects are not recognized or perceived. Every cause has its effect, and there's an underlying law that makes it happen. If you understand the consequences of your actions, then you can choose what actions you're going to take. You can choose what actions to take, but in so doing, you also choose the consequences that follow. Number seven, the principle of gender. Gender is in everything. We were talking about this with words the other day, right? So it's in words, it's in plant life, it's in animals, it's in humans, it's in everything. Uh, We were talking about it with the sun also and the moon and the seasons, everything. So gender is everything. Everything has its masculine and feminine principles. Gender, Gender manifests on all planes. Gender is manifested in everything. There are polar opposites, the yin and yang. Every person has a biological sex with a male of female physical body. However, physiologically, both qualities exist simultaneously in everyone. The same principle can be found in other things as well. Even the brain has a left and right hemisphere that corresponds with respectful gender traits. Gender is manifested as masculine and feminine principles alike across all planes. Um, So that's the seven hermetic principles right there, my man. I love them. Uh, If you guys want to further do reading on that, I go check out the seven hermetic principles or just look up hermetic principles and read further. Uh, You know, I, I like how they're all, they're all very deep and they have a lot of like, uh, you know, they have a lot of kind of, coincidence with each other they all like kind of touch up on a previous you know a previous one and they all like they all have their deep significant meaning but they all kind of like have the same kind of connotation and uh it's a it's a beautiful way to like kind of break down things you're going through or like things you're observing if you really apply those you can you figure some good shit out Indeed, man. Yeah, I, I'm really down with the as above, so below thing and, and how everything corresponds in that same thing. So technically, if we could figure out how something would work on the small scale, we could make it in a larger scale, too. So Absolutely. if we could figure out how to, which we have done this, teleport an atom from one side of the room to the other side of the room, we can come up with teleportation now it might be trickier to teleport a human as opposed to an atom or teleport like a dog or a sheep or a bull or whatever because we have so many atoms within our own body. So that's where it gets a little bit trickier is to be able to teleport all of those and have them come back and assemble in the same manner from from the origin. So, 
But it, it's definitely possible because they have teleported an atom from one room to another. I, yeah, I'm, I'm fully with it. I'm pretty sure that's part of the huge suppression of uh, of our power. Oh, that we're, yeah. You know, I'm sure yeah, the so. military uses it and doesn't give it, doesn't let <laughs> us small brain people know it. Oh, CERN, baby, CERN. Yeah, and and then uh, getting into uh, the Mad Hatter with in respect to Tartaria, uh, I think the aspect that we're looking at here is is the fact that, uh, the crystals. You know, the a lot of people talk about like maybe these crystals were used for powering things, or that they they used them in construction or uh, in uh, some devices as to talk to each other uh all kinds of different things so i mean that's pretty interesting stuff so we, we've thought we'd do a little uh go in I, I think we did probably about an hour on crystals and healing and and how they work huh yeah i'd say say a solid half yeah and then the other part was um word magic and the magic of words and why we say good morning good morning doesn't mean good it means like how dead are you today <laughs> oh i'm uh, morning, i'm morning on I'm morning, morning on <laughs> morning on the death of my yesterday yeah and uh, and and we know from uh masaro imoto uh that water because we're made up of water that these things you know play a part so if we're negative and we use these negative words to each other all the time it's going to make everybody that we come in contact with also give them that negative energy and we don't want to give negative energy we want to send out the positive vibes the good vibes man the good vibes the good vibes yeah so part of that is knowing how to talk to each other in positive ways even when you manifest and you want to manifest something, you don't say, I don't want to lose today. I don't want to lose today. I don't want to lose today because you're going to lose because you kept saying lose over and over. You have to say, I will win and I will be on top. You have to give yourself positive affirmations in order to manifest, not negative ones. And uh, I think that's a, a a helpful tool just for life in general and for uh, manifesting and for uh, sending out the good vibes to others, man. Yeah. Yeah. It's absolutely very important. You don't want to put limiting words and terms and energies on yourself because when you do, there's already enough of that going around that if you do it to yourself, it's just gonna, you know, it's going to stagnate and we need that constant vibration. Yeah. We need the flow. We need to be like water. We got polarity. We got, you know, we got good and bad. We need balance. So this is the balance, my good brothers and sisters and bots and tots and bots. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You ready to get into it, though? You ready? Let's go. Let's get into it. Here we go. Mad Hatter. Wake. Wake. Hey, everybody. Thank you for tuning into today's show. We are rising from the ashes. And we, as the Fire Tribe, will rise. 
awaken our eyes beyond what is seemingly laid upon us. We can extend our consciousness to the further ends of our cosmic understanding. If you enjoy our show and you like the content that we create, make sure to like and subscribe. Share with your friends. Hello, everybody. Yes, please, please, please do. Also, follow us on Instagram at RFTA Podcast. If you have any questions or concerns, you can email us at risingftashes at yahoo.com. I'm Danny Naki Dan. And I am the homie Romy. Hello, everybody. Hello. Today in the house, we got, what do you go by, Tarrant Fireside? Or do you go by Matt Hatter? Or what do you want Both are accepted. Um, either or. Tarrant Firestride was just kind of a pseudonym that I adopted to get away from, uh, you know, the the birth name and and that part of my life um and the mad hatter is just kind of who i am what i am uh people called me crazy for a long time and it it used to bug me like real bad you know it's like i'm not i'm not crazy you know um i've been a conspiracy theorist since basically the beginning of time and always questioned everything you know and um eventually one day it was like all right fine you know i'll be the mad hatter i'm the only one that lives down you know i never leave the rabbit hole that's just that's my world you know and you want to come to my world we'll talk and but i kind of embraced it and just uh really uh really dove into that and made it me you know it was i mean it was already me but i uh i just kind of let it out like that we'll go we'll go with mad hatter then all right (laughs) <clears throat> Deep down the rabbit hole. That's where I live, man. Yeah. I like it. So uh, tell us a little bit uh, about yourself and um, how you got into like word magic. Well, I uh, I spent most of my life just trying to bury myself in a bottle. Um, I was a, a daily drinker for like 17 years. I started drinking uh, pretty heavily at like 12 years old, um, started roofing at 13, uh, tested out of school and, and went to work full time at 16. And that was just what you did after work. You know, you drank and, uh, we didn't have feelings. We didn't have, you know, we were just, we tried to be 
that that man you know that man's man that our dads taught us to be and um drinking was all around me um as a kid i remember i remember making mixed drinks for my parents wearing my stepdad's shirt uh you know giant shirt that was like a dress when i was like six seven years old and so it was just a part of my life um and it um kind of had me trapped in in pretty low vibrations for a long time uh like three years ago just over three years ago actually this october uh i got sober and um something i say sometimes is like it, it took me a full year after that to realize that i had no clue who i was or, or or what i was and then it took me a year to learn that that was okay to not know who i was or what i was and then it took me a year to figure out you know what i what i was and what i wanted and who i was and um on that kind of journey of self-discovery i uh came into crystals was the big door opener for me um and that was something that was very taboo in my childhood i was i was raised uh i had christianity real heavy christianity on one side of my my family and really heavy mormonism on the other side of my family so i was expected to be like christian sometimes and mormon other times and it was like this constant test you know um and crystals were you know, those are taboo. Those aren't okay. You know, we don't, we don't mess with stuff like that. Um, and like I was taught that the word occult was, was bad and that all of that stuff just needed to be ignored and stayed away from. And, and so, um, finding crystals and, and feeling the impact that that had on my life and, uh, being, kind of able to actually perceive the the subtle energy and the vibrations of these stones and then use that to alter my vibrations and then altering my experience by altering my vibrations was just this gigantic click for me and it was like okay wait I'm in control of all of this like I dictate this experience you know and that led me to alchemy and alchemy led me to hermeticism and then working the hermetic principles really gave me control over my experience and um that made me realize the the power that words had right and that uh talking isn't just arbitrary like our language is a very special thing and it's engineered and it's weaponized and it's um it's used against us because we don't understand it and we help to perpetuate this um attack essentially on on ourselves and on our on on each other because we don't understand <clears throat> what our words are so diving into etymology and realizing that basically everything that had ever come out of my mouth was not what or who I wanted to be and having to learn to speak all over again um and learn how to interact with people without um creating negative energy uh was a challenge and then you know, it, it, I've always had this, this kind of view that everybody was out to get me, you know, whether it was the food I was eating or the water I was drinking or what was in the air I was breathing, or, um, I just, I never associated language with any of that. And then I realized that like, this is all a part of the same big diabolical conspiracy that we get to be a part of, you know? And so setting out to understand that and then, uh, and, and understand that because to understand something is to stand under it. Right. And 
uh, you know, these gigantic concepts that we try to, to get a grasp on. Like we don't want to be underneath that, you know, we want to take that into our being and then be able to exercise that and use that. Um, and so just little subtle differences like that and the verbiage that I chose to use led to subtle differences in my experience and how I approach my experience and how I let things in my experience affect me. Because one thing about words and word magic is that once you are hip to it, once you understand what's happening, it doesn't work the same anymore. It's almost impossible to program someone who knows you're trying to program them. Um, and so it was almost like this self-defense type thing that I, I was going to protect myself from this. And then I was going to teach other people how to protect themselves from it. Um, and so it's just really something I think that people need to know. Yeah. How, what, for, well, first, what is that big stone that you have on, on your neck right now? Which one? Yeah, that one. This is Moldavite. Uh, set under finikite, which Moldavite is a, a very potent tektite. Uh, it was created, we're told, it was created uh, during an asteroidal impact. Uh, that It was actually the collision that created the Bohemian Plateau. So um, allegedly, uh, and I, we can talk about how I think there's some conspiracy in this as well, but uh, uh, a meteor came and landed in the Czech Republic and this uh, meteor upon entry into the atmosphere superheated. And so as it uh, hit the earth, it vaporized and liquefied all of the silt and sediment at the impact site, which created this green glass that fell from the sky and cooled. Um, and you got different types of moldavite uh, that cooled, you know, like Bessid nice is a very stringy form of Moldavite and it's stuff that landed in water, you know, but when you mine Moldavite, it's like you're tilling your fields and it just, it just comes up. It's not something you, you, you dig out of the ground like gold or anything. It's just, it's there. Um, and Finikite is like, I mean, we find new crystals all the time, but it's like the second highest measured vibration that's associated with crystals. And so it is, um, it's a lot, you know, and the two of them together really amplify each other. And, um, they call these tools at, uh, in the metaphysical community, you have, uh, t Ascension tools they're called or, or whatever. They're just, uh, they're cut in a fashion that is, well, I got to tell you about Marcel Vogel a little bit to really tell you about that. He, uh, was the lead, designer developer for IBM for like 27 years. Um, and a lot of people don't know that hard drives are just a quartz crystal, the hard drive in your computer or whatever. And so he studied crystals and how they worked and how they transferred energy and how they utilized energy. And then he experimented with different cuts and how the different cuts of these crystals affected, um, the different properties and stuff like that. And so this one specifically is a magician's cut Moldavite, um, which it's, it's a lot, man. So three people tried this tool on before me and got sick in, in the oh. shop, like, like puke sick um, to the point where the owner wasn't going to let people try it on anymore. Uh, he mm. was, he was just over it and he had it put away and I felt it from the drawer uh, oh, wow. And so that was kind of a, a crazy story to begin with. Um, but this one here is my key. There's a, a good buddy of mine uh, called 
uh, Atharta Jewelry is the name of of his shop. He makes just incredible. Uh, I mean, you can't even really call this wire wrap. There's silver forging and there's wire wrap and all kinds of stuff in it. But this one has a big fluorite window and then uh, iolite and blue diamonds in it. And this is, I mean, hands down the most intense tool that I've ever worked with. I was like high, like literally high for like two and a half, three days when I put this thing on. Um, so it's a lot. I used to wear a lot more than what I wear now. Um, and when I got this thing, it was just, it was all I needed, you know, before it was like, I always felt like I, it wasn't enough. And so I would, I had like four tools on and then like three or four more, uh, pendants that I wore at the same time. And these two together are plenty. (laughs) So, um, but it's, it's incredible what bringing a crystal into your space with intention can do for your experience because ultimately your vibrations are what dictate your experience, right? And crystals work because they carry a specific vibration. And then when you bring that crystal into your auric field, it's going to alter your vibration, which is going to alter your experience because all this place is, is a, um, a direct response to your vibrations, you know, and you can make that as literal or you can make that as woo woo as you want to, whether it's the way that you think or, um, the way that you act or treat people or the, the crystals that you carry, you know, these all have a direct correlation with, uh, the way that this, this realm is going to act as we, as we walk through it. Beautiful. I have a question, uh, my friend. Um, so, I also have had the experience of wearing too many crystals uh, and too powerful of crystals at the same time and just being blacked out for weeks, basically. <laughs> like, just, yeah. Uh, just yeah. super, just like a lot of blues, um, a lot of like deep blue crystals. Um, but I w- I'm curious um, about the capacity of the crystal. Like, is, th- is there just, at a point where it can have too much within it, uh, you know, too much energy and, and at any point and when should we be cleansing our crystals? Uh, I'll start with can, uh, can a crystal carry too much or can you run too much through a crystal? And the answer to that is yes. I've cracked several crystals um, working with them. Most recently I cracked a, a smoky Vogel wand which is a uh marcel vogel who we talked about he he saw this image in a dream of this array of dots basically that he uh faceted a crystal into uh which is the the famous vogel wand um and they're incredibly expensive if they're made properly um but he there's a a male end and a female end so a receptive end and like a firing end for lack of a better way to put it Um, and he developed a protocol for being able to charge, uh, this crystal with energy or intention and then fire that energy or intention. Um, cause his deal was like, if we can use a computer to input energy and information into a crystal and the human mind or the brain, which are two separate things are, are, uh, basically a, uh, organic supercomputer. So if I can do it with this computer, why can't I do it with this computer? um, was his deal. And, and so this, these Vogel ones are very, um, efficient and effective and very potent 
um, uh, device, for lack of a better word, uh, for energy and information transfer. And it's something that I use uh, during meditation um, and <clears throat> during other other processes. And I was using it heavily um, and it, it split on me right there while I was using it. Um, I've had Organite explode on me before. Um, so it's when you understand energy and how to move it, which is, is a big part of what magic is, um, real magic, you know, um, and we're, we're very powerful beings, uh, in that not only are we co-creators, but we, we, uh, again, we dictate this entire experience. And so once you can move and funnel this energy and you're trying to use it, it's very easily, it's very easy. Um, especially while you're learning to push a little bit too, too hard or too far. And there's no like warning light that comes on, you know, it's just, it breaks <laughs> and, uh, it's over. So yes, it's very, very possible to overload a crystal with, with energy. Um, and, and you know that cause it explodes. Um, <laughs> the other question you're going to have to remind me, there was a part two that, Oh, uh, cleansing how to's why to's, um, and when to's. <clears throat> so the best way I could answer when to cleanse is, I mean, I could say regularly, um, but when you feel like you need to cleanse it, um, you're, our intuition is way smarter than we are. And so if you pick up a crystal and it feels dirty, then clean it. You know, if you're wearing a tool and, or if you go through something negative and you feel like some of that energy is left in, in your, in your stone, um, then clean it. I mean, I know people that clean cleanse theirs weekly. I know people that cleanse theirs monthly. Um, the ones that I work with regularly, I cleanse a lot more than the ones that like sit on my dress desk or dresser or, or whatever. I rarely cleanse the ones that I keep on my altar because, um, a lot of the things that I do or that I run through this altar, um, it's alive and it grows and it, it remembers. And, um, the things that I put into that or run through that are part of it now. And so, um, there are certain ones that I just, that never cleanse. That's who they are and that's what they are. Um, and I leave them alone. Now there are a lot of ways to cleanse crystals. Um, I don't personally use sage at all. Um, sage is probably the most popular way, uh, to cleanse. Um, I think that a big part, and this is me getting conspiratorial a little bit, but a big part of why sage is made so popular is because it gets rid of absolutely everything. And so it's like hand sanitizer, right? So hand sanitizer kills 99.9% .9 of all bacteria, right? But what we're not taught is that like 70% of that bacteria or 80% of that bacteria is good bacteria, right? And so it's using hand sanitizer all the time is actually hurting you, you know? Um, and so there are a lot of good energies that we can't necessarily perceive with the five senses that we're taught, uh, to perceive with, uh, and, you know, we're, we're taught that if I can't grab something or if I can't, 
uh, taste something or smell something, if I can't use all five senses at the same time to, to prove to myself that this is real, then it's not real, you know? Um, and there are a lot of things that we don't perceive with those senses, whether you want to talk about spirits or whether you want to talk about uh, thought forms or um, inner ultra dimensional uh, kind of stuff. I'm trying to not get too woo woo here. Uh, there's things that aren't bad to have around. And so if something wants to be in my space and it has, it, it's not ill intentioned, then it's welcome to be here, you know, uh, no matter what that is. Uh, I, my space is one of positivity. Um, and I don't think that there's only one place for that positivity to come from. Um, and so if I'm going to cleanse something with, with smoke, I'm going to use cedar is my favorite thing to cleanse with because cedar is only going to dispel things that are negative things with negative intention. Um, another really popular way to cleanse is with selenite. Selenite is, uh, probably one of the most underrated stones that there is. It's available and it's cheap and it's everywhere. And so people think that that means that it's not potent or that it's not, as special as other ones, you know, and it's a very, very, uh, potent stimulator of the crown chakra. And it's also very, uh, cleansing and purifying of, of the energy and of one space. Um, in fact, most good energy workers before they will do anything else, they'll start at the crown chakra with selenite, uh, because when your crown is open and clear, you have a free flow of energy that can move through, uh, the network of chakras, you know, the, the idea is that you have a clear path We're electric beings and you can look at chakras like, uh, like an electrical relay. And when it's open and it's spinning smoothly, this power can flow through these things, uh, without restriction. And so the idea is for this energy to come in through the crown and work down through the third eye, through the throat, through the heart, through the solar plexus, into the sacral, into the root chakra, and then down into the earth and, and, and ground us to the earth. Right. And so, um, if you don't have an open and clear crown chakra, then there's no entry point for this, this cosmic, you know, this divine energy that we're trying to allow into our space. Um, a lot of people get confused between cleansing and charging, right? After you cleanse something, you want to charge it. Uh, you want to charge it with your intention first. Uh, and then you want to charge it uh, with a lot of people use the moon to charge it. And so um, take, whatever your intention is with this crystal and you tell it, you know, and uh, your right hand is the firing hand, right? It's the masculine side. The left hand is the feminine side. And so if you're trying to receive something from a crystal, you want to have it on the left side of your body. If you're trying to put something into a crystal, you want to have it on the right side of your body. Um, and so set this intention and then set it in the moon and let that lunar energy come in because ultimately the sun is going to heal our physical self, right? The sun is, is medicine for the body and the moon is medicine for the mind or for the psyche or for the conscious, uh, the subconscious, um, as far as our, um, our psychic powers or our, um, spirit ability to manifest or create. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, um, the biggest thing, and it's just like people try to ask me what crystals to start with. Like, what crystals do I want to buy? And it's like, I don't want to answer that because that's going to, th th that's me taking what mm -hmm. I think and putting it into your experience. Um, everyone and people, 
everybody thinks that it's not going to work for them, you know, but then I get a message afterwards and they're like, dude, you were totally right. You know, you go to the, you go to the crystal shop and if you're trying, if you're drawn to something, if you're attracted to something, then get it right. Not because it's called moonstone or cause it's called bloodstone or cause it's called amethyst and Susie likes amethyst. So I'm going to go get amethyst, you know, go and get what you are attracted to because your body knows what you need. Right. And what you'll find 99% of the time is that whatever this is that you were drawn to, if you go and you research the properties, it's going to be something that you want, that you are actively trying to work on. And so learning to listen to the intuition, because, you know, something that I try to really differentiate between is the brain and the mind, right? The brain is not capable of producing a thought. The brain is like an antenna. It's an amplifier of thought. And so the brain is what we use via the pineal gland to project our thought into this physical experience because this is a physical experience, right? And so we need a physical vessel to drive here, which is what the body is, right? But the body is not who we are. The body is just, again, the car that we drive on the freeway of the third dimension. And so the, the mind or the, the consciousness is what is producing this thought. And it's, it's just using the brain as a delivery system. Um, and it's easy to get stuck in the brain, right? And the brain is what controls the five senses and the five senses are how we determine what's real is what we're taught, right? And so as opposed to listening to the higher self, right? The divine self or the mind, we get caught up in the brain and we either make excuses or we argue or we we try to humanize or rationalize what uh, the divine self is is handing us. And that's a mistake. And so when this higher self tells you that that's your crystal, then listen, you know, and, and grab it and, and work with it and then study it and then, you know, set that intention and then charge it and then work with it, you know, but, uh, the, the best thing we can do when it comes to crystals or, or speech or medicine or food or anything is to just listen to our body and listen to our, listen to our, and I, I tell people all the time, you know, you want to keep your awareness in your third eye and in your gut, right? Because those are the two places that are, are going to discern uh, what is truth and what is healthy and what is right. I mean, we always know people talk about go with your gut, right? Your gut, you always know what's right in your gut and you can, and you can try to rationalize things or try to make excuses for things or try to justify things. But ultimately, you know, in your gut, what's right and what's wrong. And sometimes we choose to take the brain, right? And to try to talk ourselves out of what we already know. And afterwards, usually it's like, man, I should have listened to myself, right? Like I knew, I knew before I ever set out to do this, that this was the wrong choice. And, and so we can learn a lot just from ourselves and as great as reading is and as great as, uh, you know, research is and watching videos and stuff, a lot of this stuff um, we can get from ourselves. You know, this is what gnosis is. This is what the Gnostics talked about. There's a difference between knowledge and gnosis, right? Knowledge is um, ingested, right? Through, uh, again, through study or through reading or whatever, whereas gnosis is intuited, right? It's it's received through divine avenues. And all of us have the ability to do that. You know, they used to read about stuff like the Akashic Record, um, which we all have access to. Um, people talk about downloads, which 
I mean, a lot of people think is really woo woo, but until you experience knowing something that you have no business knowing, um, you can't, you can't knock it too much. It's just because you're not there yet. doesn't mean that it's not real or that somebody else isn't there, you know? Yeah. Very, 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 very true. Um, Uh, you were talking about moving energy into the crystals. What are you moving the energy from your own body or from other crystals or explain that a little bit more? Both, both. Um, and now we get to talk a little bit about orgone, right? Uh, so basically every culture in the world has written about this force, right? This, this energy. Um, so we've heard it called mana. We've heard it called chi. We've heard it called ki. We've heard it called prana. We've heard it called vril. This is all that we've heard. Tesla called it ether, right? So this is all the same force, right? And, uh, organite or the word orgone comes from, uh, Wilhelm Reich, who was one of Freud's students. And he realized uh, that there was all of this energy that could be harvested. He built uh, this thing called an organ accumulator and he was curing cancer with it before he was arrested and imprisoned and uh, eventually murdered for it. Um, he invented this thing called the cloud buster where he could change the weather and create storms with this energy. Um, Tesla used it to power light bulbs, right? And uh, depending on how familiar you are with uh, old advanced civilizations as far as uh, like Tartaria and stuff like that. Um, they used a lot of ether extraction technology. Um, a very well-known um, civilization, but not so well-known for this, is Egypt. So Egypt had electricity. Um, and we see in a lot of the Egyptian artwork that electricity is is portrayed, and we're told, oh, that's lamplights, or it's this, or it's that. But... Um, and the obelisks that are all over Egypt, right? Uh, we're told that Egypt just really liked the phallus, right? They were just, they were obsessed with masculinity, right? Well, all of these obelisks had a piezoelectric core, right? That would draw this energy, this ambient energy from the atmosphere, right? And it would go down. They all sat on a copper plate that sat in a bed of water in a water battery. Um, and we find this copper conduit in the ground all over Egypt. Right. And first of all, a uh, uh, civilization like that did not have the ability to manufacture copper conduit in, in the context that we've been handed. Um, they, they, they can't do it. They don't have the technology. And so, uh, this, these copper pipes, they're not big enough to be used for plumbing or whatever. They were connecting these water batteries and this was like their electric grid. Um, and so what Reich believed and why it's called orgon is related, directly related to the word orgasm, right? And he thought it was ambient sexual energy. And so when, uh, and we've all experienced uh, a drastic change of mindset upon release, right? As soon as, as soon as that happens, you're like, whoa, what was, what was I doing? Who was that? You know, there's this, this gigantic shift, whether it's regret, whether it's whatever it is, we all know what that, that shift, right. And, and, it, and it happens the instant that that release takes place. And then after your release, that energy starts to build back up and build back up and build back up and you get Randy, you know, and then you've got to, you've got to find out how to release this again. Well, there's a lot to be said about the retention of the sexual energy. And I think that's why, like porn is pushed so hard 
in uh, our culture um, is to keep you from from building up and utilizing that sexual energy. It's a very powerful creative force. I mean, and think about it, that we create life with this, uh, with this sexual energy. And so, um, a big part of, of growth or evolution is learning how to use that instead of just casting it aside. Like we're taught. Um, we also, are energetic beings, right? Um, we we were taught in school that uh, the human body has the ability to like power a light bulb while we sleep, you know. So we we produce our own energy through electromagnetism, and um, which is what our toroidal field is, uh, and and so this is energy that can be harnessed and. Um, and concentrated and, and the Kundalini, for example, is like this coiled serpent that we're trying to, that's trying to uncoil, you know, rapidly. And so there's energy everywhere. We're taught to think of energy in terms of gas and oil. Um, but the, the, the true energy, um, is all around us and it's, it's everywhere. And, um, something that I can speak to personally, I've got organite all over my house. I make it, I'm really good friends with somebody who makes it. Um, and it's everywhere and it is a lot to walk into my space between the crystals that I have and the organ that gets drawn in here. I've got harmonizers that kind of organize it. Um, but my space is a lot to be in and I've had people come into my room and get sick before. Um, but that is, that's where I'm at and that's where I'm comfortable. Um, and so it, just like you said, you've had an experience with, with putting on too many crystals or having, uh, too much energy or too high of a vibration and seeing what that can do to your experience. Um, and what it can do to the human, to the human vessel, because the human animal, uh, has to learn to be able to accept and facilitate and control this this energy because we're taught starting at a very young age not to use it and not to embrace it right so when when you're born until you're seven you are operating in a, a theta state right which is very close to a hypnotic state which is why like when a kid sits down and has a tea party like there's mud in that cup but to the kid it's real you know, it's it, it, their imagination is just so vivid and it's because they're creating with their mind and they haven't been taught yet that that's not real or that they shouldn't do that. You know, and that's why kids have to start school at five years old is so that they have two full years while they're in that creative state to kind of breed them out of that. Um, and school's not about education. It's about um, control. It's, it's about them teaching you to accept a narrative and then regurgitate that narrative and to not question it. And the ones that question aren't going to succeed. The ones that will, you know, it's not the smart kids that get the best grades all the time. It's the kids that comply the best or that, um, because here's the thing, like we're all different, right? And we're all meant to be different, but society doesn't want you to be different. Society wants you to do, you know, what you're told or what's handed to you without question. And, and that is what school is all about is breeding that critical thinking out of us. And it starts, that's why school starts at such a young age and kindergartners are taught the way that they're taught. I've got a son that's, 
starting school right now. Um, and it's like, I try really hard to protect that creative energy and let him know that like, it's okay to be different and it's okay to feel different and it's okay to believe different. Um, because they try so hard to get rid of that. They really do. I was going to ask, sorry, my mic was on mute. I was going to ask, uh, so you do, you do have a, you do have a little, uh, a young tyke running around and knowing what you know, um, you know, it's hard to, to have to, to comply to the matrix loops of sending your child into a Rockefeller school foundation that, you know, uh, is all about the form of control. But then again, there's this kind of like opposing side of like, well, it's really, really good for them to be able to have the cultural experience of being with the community. So are you like uh, one of the, you know, one of the uh, uh, conspiratorial fathers that like goes and like tells your kid to wake up other kids or is he naturally kind of attuned to doing that? Or what's your prep for uh, getting him ready for this, this society he's about to experience? So here's one thing that I'm big on, and that's my experience is my experience and your experience is your experience. So I will share what I believe with you, but I'm not going to try to engineer the way that you live your life or what you believe, right? If we are, if we are exchanging information or exchanging knowledge, that's one thing, but I'm not here to sell anybody on anything. Like if what I'm saying isn't resonating with somebody, then that's fine, right? I'm, I'm fine with that. I'm not going to try to beat someone into submission and go, you have to see this. You have to see this because the fact is there are people that are and aren't going to see, um, a lot of things, right. There are people that, whether it's nine 11 or whether, you know, any, any, any of these things, there are people that just aren't ready to see it. And it's not that they can't perceive or understand it. It's that they are so comfortable in their reality or in their paradigm that they have built, that they're not willing to see anything outside of that. Um, and so, First of all, if I had my way, my son would not be attending this school. Um, I We make children with people, um, and sometimes those people don't agree with us on um, the things that we want. I tried really hard to fight him. I, I tried to homeschool him. I tried all kinds of things, especially, you know, he... it frustrates me to talk about the fact that my son wears a mask for eight hours a day. You know, I, we live right outside of Portland and there's a lot of places in the country where that's not enforced, but here it's like, you're not allowed on campus without a face covering and dude, he's breathing his own exhaust fumes. You know, we need what, what fuels us and feeds us. How we survive is oxygen right? And that's his oxygen intake is his breath, right? And this breath is restricted now. And so it's something that it really bothers me. I fought really hard to keep him out of this whole situation. But there are things that we can and can't control. And me going on a war path, you know, against his mother or against the school is not going to is not conducive to a healthy environment for him. Me trying to protect him from something that ultimately he's going to experience anyways, as far as uh, false history or the, the shunning of critical thinking or questioning um, he's gonna experience those things, right? It's like trying to protect your child from kids that have never heard a curse word before. And then they go to middle school where everyone swears, you know, and they're just, they're just traumatized by it. There are things that, kids are going to experience, right? And so instead of me trying to hide these things, 
I'm going to try to teach them just like with word magic, how to protect themselves from those things. Cause once you're aware of it, it's easy to protect yourself from it. It doesn't work on you the same. And so a big part of the, and it's, he's five, you know, so there's only so much that he can understand because to him, he was upset that I wanted to keep him out of school. He's like, no, this is where I go to make friends. Like I want to go to school. He was excited to go to school. His brothers go to school, you know? And so it's like, listen, dude, things are going to get said, right? That are what they are, right? And, and all these things that get said are, all they can do is what you allow them to do, right? So if someone tells you something and you know in your little heart that that's not true in your experience, that's okay, right? And you don't have to argue that. You don't have to defend that. You are allowed to think and feel however you want to think and feel. And that doesn't mean you have to agree with everything that I say either, because I don't expect anyone to unquestionably agree with what comes out of my mouth. Like, take what I say, and if it feels good, then keep it, right? And then go and research that further and go find more things that resonate with you. But anybody who wants what they say to be just taken as law, you're looking for a cult at that point, right? You're not... You're not looking for um, a shared experience. I'm here to live my experience, right? And create the best experience for myself and for my family that I can. And what's cool about this, this existence is that my experience overlaps with other people's experience and that my experience has the potential to influence someone else's experience. And that experience has the potential to influence someone else's experience. And the best way that I've found to influence someone else's experience is, is through love right? Because me telling you that you're an idiot for believing something, right? And then just trying to cram facts and logic down your throat is not going to make you want to absorb what I have to say or what I have to sell. And so coming from a, repla- a place of respect and of love and and um, offering things, right? And if somebody has a question for me, I'm going to try to, or if somebody is trying to get information out of me, I'm going to try to ask them questions so that they can come to these conclusions on their own. Because me handing you something is one-tenth as powerful, maybe less powerful than you getting there on your own, right? And so I can give you sources, I can give you, but ultimately I'm going to tell you the same thing I told you about crystals and that's to listen to yourself, whether it's something that's coming out of my mouth or somebody else's mouth. And this is the same thing that I try to teach my son when he goes to school is that it's okay to be different, right? And it's okay to believe something different. And you don't need to argue about it. You don't need to anything because your experience is your experience, right? And not everybody is going to be ready to understand I mean, my kid's five, but he's got like some pretty rad esoteric knowledge as far as um, an understanding of energy and and spirits and, um, you know, some of the things that we interact with. And and that's not something that other kids his age are going to understand or understand, you know? So So from from the concept of energy and how energy works and everything, what what do you think spirit is like? Is, is that connected to the energy that, that we give off or uh, is it something external or how do you explain? Okay. So how I would explain spirit is we are all the same. And that sounds really cliche to say, 
Um, we're taught that we share like 98.9% of our 99.8% of our DNA with, with monkeys, right. With greater apes. And that's where the argument comes from that we come from and all this bullshit. Um, excuse my language. But, uh, so what we're not taught is that we share 98% of our DNA with everything, everything here, right? So you share 98% of your DNA with that tree and with the rock outside and with the pine cone that falls out of that tree and with the cat, right? That's nothing like the money. So really what we're talking about is everything that exists here is exists within a, a span of about 2%, which is not very much. Okay. So what we all are is carbon, right? And this carbon is moving at different speeds. And the speed that this carbon is moving at determines how this, this, whatever it is manifests physically. Okay. So the spirit is what bonds these things together because science cannot tell you why a tree and me are made up of the same thing, but they're vastly different, right? Because then they would have to admit that the tree's alive and this does all kinds of stuff that they don't want to, that opens doors that they don't want to see open. And so spirit is, and, and what that spirit is, is a vibration, right? And in hermeticism, it's taught that, that we all exist in the mind of the all, which is the creator. They don't say God in hermeticism. It's Adam, which is kind of a cool play on word, not a play on words, but the, it's, you've got Adam, Adam, and Adam. You've got Adam, the building block of matter, right? The Adam, you've got Adam, the first man, right? And then you've got Adam, who is the creator of this experience. And so you've got these three atoms that are phonetically the same, spelled slightly different, but all are the foundation of this experience. And so um, in uh, Eastern uh, mysticism or religion, it's taught that the ohm, right, is the, the vibration of the universe, right? And that that's what creates this experience is this ohm. And Hermeticism, it's... Uh, taught that we all exist in the mind of the all. So if you imagine this omnipotent being that is meditating and, and emitting this vibration or this sound like the ohm, right? And that everything in this experience exists inside that vibration. So that is what <clears throat> spirit is, is this vibration that creates this experience that we live inside. And so just like we create with our minds, right? We have a, a thought or an idea or an intention that exists in the mind because everything exists in the mind before it exists in uh, what we perceive as reality, right? And in, in the physical. And so the things that we are experiencing before we create are something that were created by the creator. So that was something that existed in the mind of the creator, Right. And that, and that was a vibration and that vibration has manifested these things in the physical. Right. And then we are lucky enough to be gifted co-creators um, and can also contribute to that experience or this experience with our vibrations that are coming from our mind. Um, and that's what the spirit is, is this force that vibrates and creates this. Yeah, man. Reality that we perceive. Uh, speaking of word magic, when you were talking about that, I thought about the word atone and like how you have to atone for your sins or right, uh, for that. So you're changing your tone to rid yourself of that negative energy, correct? Atoning exactly. And like, 
Laurel Erica it does a lot on word magic and like she has this sentence, you know, like where we we wake up and we go through the week, uh, go to our undertakings and try to make it to the weekend, you know. And so when you are awake, right, or when you wake, awake is what you go to when someone dies, right. And then we, we, we awake in the morning and we tell each other good morning, right? Well, to mourn is to grieve, right? So we're starting off by uh, basically dying, right? And then mourning that death, right? And then we go to our undertakings or our job, which a job is the Hebrew word for persecuted, okay? Because of Job. And then, right, exactly. And so then the week right? We go through this experience. So we have our week and then we have the weekend, which is when we're weakened from this week. Right. Um, and so in, in, in the words that we use that we see as normal, these are weaponized, right. And we're hurting each other with these words. We don't know that we're hurting each other with these words, but when someone tells me good morning, I thank them, you know, but what I want to say is like, really, what are we mourning? You know, which is why I'm going to tell somebody grand rising, you know, um, good day. Exactly. And, you know, the power of the word is super understated. We're taught, you know, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me, you know, but the first words of the Bible is in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Right. Um, God said, let there be light, you know, and I'm not, I'm not religious, but in every, in every religion, it, this starts with a word and it's important to recognize that a word is not written or read. Okay. A word is spoken, right? A word is vibrated and a word is received. A word is felt, right? These vibrations are felt. They come into our being and they affect our vibrations, right? So when you're writing something, you're taking runes, right? Or symbols that are, they're magic, they're ideograms. So they're, uh, an ideogram is a symbol that represents ideas, right? And these, these runes, these ideograms are created using sacred geometry and sacred sounds, okay? And so we have a 26 rune alphabet. The Nordics used a 24 rune alphabet. And that's what we're taught that runes are, is these, like the Futhark, um, but our alphabet uh, is is runes just the same. And so you're rearranging these runes into spells, right? Which is why it's called spelling, right? And then we're casting these spells into sentences. And a sentence, in when it comes to the law, is a punishment, right? And then we use these sentences and we vibrate these sentences with our with our voice, right? Which the breath and the voice are two things that are just... Cr- incredibly understated but we we vibrate these things and now they exist now they're real right and it you can create without speaking right you dr emoto proved that you didn't just have to to talk to the glass of water that you could look at the glass of water and you could you could use intention you could use thought you could use meditation and you could alter the water that way which says a lot about our experience. You know, if we can communicate with a glass of water, right, what are you and I made out of mostly is water, right? And the argument could be made, I, I, I make the argument that we're all fish, right? And that because air is water, right? It's just less dense water. And so this is the medium 
that we use to transfer vibration between one and another is this this light water for lack of a better word and so with that line of thought telekinesis is more of a probable thing huh Exactly. It's very probable, you know, and there are a lot of people that we, we thought were just crazy that, that do some pretty, pretty amazing things with, with their minds. Um, and a big part of being able, I can do some stuff that I would have told you, you were crazy for telling me that the human animal was capable of doing a few years ago, you know? And, uh, but a big part of that is understanding that you're capable of that. So I'm not a, a motocross guy, uh, so I can't remember the names or the dates, but um, nobody had ever landed a backflip on a motorcycle before, ever. People said that it was impossible. And then whether, I don't know if it was Travis Pastrana or who it was, but the, after the first backflip was landed at the X Games, it was the, like the next year there were like eight people that threw down backflips. So we went from something that had never been done before and was impossible until one person did it. And then all of these people saw this person do it and they're like, well, if he can do it, then I can do it. And so now the next year you've got everybody throwing down backflips, right? Mm -hmm. And any good sports psychologist is going to, what they're going to stress more than anything is visualization. Okay. You need to visualize what you're trying to do. You need to see yourself doing it. You need to practice it in your mind. And then that is going to translate to physical practice, right? But this is where everything starts is in the mind. And what facilitates this change or this growth is you believing that you can do it is this self-belief, right? And once you believe you can do something, and it sounds really cliche to say, once you believe you can do something, you can do it. But it's like, uh, it's like keys. It's like, um, as soon as you truly understand that you're capable of something, you now have that as a tool in your in your, your armory or whatever you want to, whatever you want to call that. It's another, it's another arrow in your quiver. And so we, it's important that we stop putting limitations on ourselves. Um, and when you read about ancient mystery schools and things that these, here's the thing, anything that we don't understand, we're going to perceive as magic, right? So, um, whether it's technology or whatever it is. And so you have these people throughout history. My favorite being Thoth or Tahat is the way that that is uh, pronounced. It could do just these fantastic things, right? And it was less about them. And this is not to say that they weren't special, but it's less about that than it is that they understood the way that this place worked and they understood that these things were possible and things that are possible to them are things that they can do, right? If something is possible in my reality, it's not possible in your reality. It's going to be a lot easier for me to accomplish whatever we're trying to do um, than it is for a person who doesn't believe that that's possible. So whether it's telekinesis or whether it is, um, what's the word I'm looking for being able to communicate without words, right? Because telekinesis is moving something physical, um, telepathic. Thank you. Um, and so, but we all are telepathic to a degree. How many songs have we heard about good vibrations, right? How many people have you stood next to before? And you just knew you didn't want that person in your space, right? These are vibrations that are being transferred through the medium of this air which is this less dense water right and we're picking those up because we are open to perceiving these subtle energies and we're listening to ourselves when our highest self is perceiving these subtle energies and so how that starts is by getting out of the brain and allowing the mind 
to use this body as a conduit, right? We got to stop overthinking things. We got to stop just trusting our senses because like I said, we've all been in a situation before where we knew exactly how it was going to work out before we set out to do it. And we did it anyways. And then we were like, why didn't I listen to myself? You know, we've all been around people that we knew weren't good people, right? I just had a feeling about that person, but we kept hanging out with them and they got us drug into something we didn't want to be in. And so all of this just starts with, an awareness that we are more than what we've been taught, right? And and allowing this highest self or this divine self to manifest in this experience because ultimately what we're taught more than anything is to bury that, right? That's that's the goal of the the public education system. That's the goal of pharmaceuticals, which pharmaceuticals comes from the word pharmakia, right? Which is uh, sorcery. It's dark magic. So you have medicine, which is to heal. You have pharmaceuticals, which is to perpetuate sickness through deception, right? So, and you, the, the symbol for pharmacy is the caduceus, right? Which is the staff of Hermes. It's two serpents wrapped around a pole with a pine cone at the top. And they're, they're telling you that there is something mystical at play just with this symbol, right? Like, why are they using a mystical and magical symbol for medicine and why are we taught that medicine and pharmacology are the same thing and like ultimately you go to the doctor and you're having a hard time and they're like well here take this right i want to put everybody on antidepressants i personally when i quit drinking was put on prozac right long story short they kept upping my dose because i would feel okay for a couple months and then i'd feel bad again and i go back to the doctor it's not working anymore so they put me on a higher dose higher dose higher dose he tells me well we can up your dose one more time uh, before you're on the max dose. So this is okay. And it's like, wait, no, this is not okay. What happens when I'm on the highest dose? Uh, well, oh, we'll couple that with this, right? And I, that was when it clicked for me. And I'm like, no, dude, I'm done. I want off of it. I'm over it. Well, then I start researching, what is Prozac? Well, Prozac is fluoride. That's all it is. It's a oh bunch of fluoride. God. Okay. And now, so this makes me research fluoride. When did we start using fluoride? It was in the internment camps. We started feeding it to the, the prisoners and it made them easier to control. Then we used it in the prison system, right? Now we put it in public water. We go to the dentist and they're spraying it into our mouths. Fluoride, it, it, A, it declassifies the pineal gland, which is how we communicate with our highest self, right? This is how we think critically. Calcifies. And B, it, exactly, exactly. It calcifies, and so, decalcifies. Did I say decalcifies? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. It calcifies. Uh, and, and we have to put in major work to be able to decalcify, right? It takes time and you, you gotta stop ingesting the fluoride. And then there's lots of different, but there's lots of different ways that you can, uh, kind of knock this calcium off, but the pineal gland used to be much larger than, than what it is now. And this is through, uh, schooling. This is through, I mean, the fluoride definitely doesn't help, but this is something that's been going on for a long time, you know, and the ancients, they knew when the pineal gland was formed in the womb, right? And this is a, a civilization that didn't have ultrasound or didn't have CAT scans or didn't have any of this technology. And so there's a lot to be said about that antenna, that receptor. And Almost all of these pharmaceuticals do two things, right? They they calcify the pineal gland and they take away our ability to experience empathy. Okay. And I can't remember the number of how many thousands of 
uh, pharmaceuticals contain this one chemical that it, it, it takes away the human animal's ability to experience empathy. And when you, you see the way that people treat each other nowadays, right. And people talk about like, what happened to everybody? Well, what happened was these pharmaceuticals and, and, and the, the stuff that they put in the water and the stuff that they put in the food and the stuff that they spray into the sky, you know, we're being engineered to be mean to each other right? That's what this whole experience is. They can't, there's only so much that they can do to us, but they can teach us how to do it to each other and make that much more effective. Yes. Yes. So it's been a big, big, big part of the play here within the past. Uh, I think, uh, you know, the, the input of fluoride globally, uh, after like world war two and that time period, um, just says so much. And then I, I, you know, I really, I, I resonate a lot with your, uh, water density, um, uh, reality because I, I've said the same and I think be, it said the same because it's true, you know, to an extent, uh, we, we as humans breathe and then we need to drink water. We need that other dense water because, uh, you know, it heals us. And then we need to bathe ourselves. We need to clean our, our skin organs. And then the trees need water for their roots. And, and there's like this, this need to get back to the water um, because something happened to Earth. Uh, you know, like, I don't know. I, I don't, it's so interesting. It's so beautiful and interesting the the breath uh, the breath and the drinking like you're breathing in the atmosphere and then you're drinking in the water and life and it's it's absolutely so beautiful and it's it's understated so so often because breathing is like an autopilot action that happens but it's healing it's healing your mind and your your spirit and your body and your and and it heals the collection the collective also like the because if you can heal right. yourself you will heal the collective <clears throat> as a whole and um and water does the same and and emoto who you brought up earlier um you know did his water experiments and it's it, you know people once once they start to understand and open their hearts and minds to the fact that everything is water and breath is life and water is life and water has so much communicative properties and the ability to transmit energy and hold information and hold memory then once <clears throat> and then we can slowly start to bring the world into a very very beautiful vibrational place and we can coexist enriched of the uh the elitist virus that they are trying to keep us in that low vibrational state Absolutely. Um, water has a feminine energy. I'm wondering if does breathing have a masculine energy to it? I mean, that's up for interpretation. I would say that um, you have fire, which is a, fa uh, uh, a very masculine element, um, which are kind of the opposites as far as, as fire and water. Um, Earth has Paniyama a, a feminine um, and so, yeah, I would say that that is a, that air is a masculine energy. So then um, we need the masculine and the feminine. So that's why we breathe air and, and take water. Right. Well, and oh, there's, everything has poles. That. Thank you, Dad. Um, is, is one thing that hermeticism teaches. Right. And that's, that's another way that word magic is used is like, they, they, 
everything they say is polarizing, right? So it puts you on in one camp or the other, whether it's Republican and Democrat or whether no matter what it is, they're always going to split everyone down the middle and they're going to get this side mad at this side, right? And what the the principle of polarity states is that everything has poles. There's a positive and a negative. There's a dark and a light. There's everything. And what exists in between those poles is rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. And that rhythm is what creates this vibration and this vibration is what dictates our experience. Okay. So like the union of these opposites, like you said, uniting the feminine and the masculine is where we find balance. Right. And that is where we find too much uh, masculine or too much feminine is going to create, is going to create problems. Just like when you work on the, uh, the physical self too much, the spiritual self is going to suffer. When you go all spiritual, your physical self is going to suffer, you know, and water is truly everything, you know, and as far as how that ties into word magic, um, you have uh, currency, for example, right? The word currency is what this whole experience is about, is developing currency. Well, that's two words, the word current and the word sea, right? And so a current is the flow of energy through a body of water. And a sea is like a, a vast uh, body of, of, of water, right? So what we're talking about now is the way that energy flows through this experience, right? You have the birthing terms and as far as when you're you're born you are a, a, a woman gives birth to a human vessel right and that vessel is received at the dock right the doctor okay and then this has to be registered just like when a ship comes in and and gives birth at a dock you have to have a certificate of manifest right and you have to submit that um and then that has to be approved by the the harbor master, right? We, uh, we are human cargo that comes in and then how they use this is, um, you've got the word corporation, right? Which is, uh, uh, by definition, a non-living entity or a corpse. And they use this maritime law that is totally separate from the law of the land, right? But they have convinced us that we're all in this ocean, right? And that's why when you go to court, right? You stand, you're on the docket, right? You're at the dock. You are summoned, right? And what do you summon? You, we summon dead things, right? Is what, when when you are summoning something mystically, it's usually not something positive. And so when a judge summons you and you go through and you, when you walk through that gate, you are leaving the land and you are entering the sea, and that's why it's separated, right? And so when, when, when you get there, a judge is going to ask you if you are Mr. or Mrs. so-and-so, right? This is a trick because Mr. or Mrs. is associated with a non... That's a title. That's a, it's, it's a company. It's a corporation, okay? And... Uh, corporations, which the court is a corporation, the state is a corporation, the police department is a corporation. These corporations can only do business with other corporations. So upon your birth, right, a corporation is taken out with the same name as you. And you are told that that's who you are, which is why like when you get mail from the federal government or from the bank, it's all in all capital letters, right? That's not you, the living person. 
That's you, the corporation. And so if you go to court and you state that you are alive, it sounds really silly to say, but if you state that you are not Mr. So-and-so, you are so-and-so the living man, same name, right? Without the Mr., the judge has no authority over you whatsoever because a living person is not bound by corporate law and courts all operate under corporate law with the, the, the police, right? When they ask you if you understand something, they're not asking if you comprehend it. They're asking if you stand under their authority. Okay. Because you have to agree to play this maritime game for them to have any kind of authority over you. You have to agree that you are a corporation. You have to agree to contract with this other corporation. It's all consensual, right? And so as soon as you are alive, right, you are not a non-living entity, right? If you're not a non-living entity, then you can't by definition be a corporation. If you're not a corporation, then you are not allowed to contract with other corporations. And so like when you have states, you have Oregon state and then you have the state of Oregon, right? You have Washington state, state of Washington, California state, state of California. One is the state, one is the territory, and one is the corporation that acts on behalf of the territory to be able to do business with other corporations, right? So just like when you walk into McDonald's, if you try to order a cheeseburger and you're not wearing shoes, okay, they can tell you, you need to go put shoes on or you can't contract with us, right? That is their corporate policy, Okay, so you have the choice to walk outside and put on shoes <clears throat> and come back in and contract with them, or you have the choice to say, no, I'm not going to contract with you. I'm going to go do business with someone who will sell me a cheeseburger without my shoes on. <laughs> this is the same way with the court system. This is the same way with uh, the police. This is the same way with anything else. If you do not agree to do business with them, right, then and, 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 and you state that you are not a corporation, then they have no authority over you. And that doesn't mean that you can go do whatever you want. That doesn't mean that you can go hurt people. That's not what that means because natural law states that if you harm another living being, another being physically or financially, that you are breaking the law, right? And there's no way around natural law or cosmic law or the law of the land or common law or whatever you want to call it, right? Um, but this whole victimless crime thing is all consensual, right? All these people that are sitting in prison right now for crimes that weren't hurting anyone are there because they have agreed to play this maritime game, right? They're, they're, and we even call our laws like acts and statutes. Like this is all just a big play. It's all just this big word magic play, right? That we're in and we're, we have no clue because that's not, that's not what we're taught, you know? And, that's all of these words when you trace them back as far as corporation and corpse, right? These are very deliberate. And that's what this language is, is uh, it's, it's, it's a language of magic. That's what the English language was created for. Um, and that's why we talk about these runes being made with uh, sacred geometry and sacred sounds is this, is a language that can be used to either enslave us or, um, or create a, a utopian existence. You know, if everyone at the same time stopped consenting and uh, started co-creating the way that they have the ability to, we'd be living in a different world right now. Um, you speak of runes a lot. Is do you believe it was like the original writing system? Is is 
Is that why? Or what is the reason behind that? Well, runes are just letters, right? Um, and so a rune is just a part. It's a building. It's a foundation of a language, right? So, um, and we're taught to only perceive or use letters or runes one way. Whereas in the Futhark, for example, you have a rune that it makes a sound, right? And it means something. And it's also associated with a a deity or an action, right? And so they mean lots of things. Um, Whereas we're just taught how to, how to cast these spells with them, right? So a, a, a rune or when, and, and when you dive into etymology and you understand where these letters come from and what these vowels are, because vowels are, they're sacred sounds, right? That's why vowels are so important. You can't have a language without vowels. Um, and these are just special runes that create these special vibrations that manifest in our physical reality. Um, and so everything starts with, with a rune and we're not taught to use those letters individually. We're not taught what the esoteric or the mystical meaning of these letters are, you know? Um, and so understanding these sounds and how to use these sounds in meditation and in mantras and in incantations and stuff, um, is how you really get to the bottom of this language and what it is and how to use it. Yeah. So the reason why I asked that question is because when uh, we were talking to Yake, uh, he mentioned that alphabet comes from all father bait. It's the bait of the all father. And that's where we get the alphabet from. And in that sense, it would be from like Odin or from the runes because Odin's the one that hung himself upside down uh, right. to see the runes. And so that's why I asked the question if, if maybe that was like the first language. It seems like it has a lot of symbol, symbolistic stuff in each rune, and there's multiple meanings to each rune than just the letter that it represents, like you're saying. Well, right. And when you talk about where these things come from, you have like alpha, which is father, you have mother, which is beta, right? And then the C is the child, right? That the mother and the uh, the father create. And so each one represents something very specific. And I'm having a hard time remembering exactly the way that all of them fit together right now. Um, but it's very deliberate. And it, it does start with father, mother, child are the, are the first three. And um, what this is symbolic of is uniting the masculine and the feminine, just like what we were talking about. So right? do you think like the, the Trinity, the whole Trinity thing that's in all these different religions is more about the, the language system rather than uh, gods? Well, here's the thing about the Trinity. Here's the thing about the Trinity. Um, it's everything right? It's not any one thing. When you talk about uh, philosophy, right? You have, um, there's a trinity in everything, whether it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, whether it's as above and so below, and then this deital reference that we have, right? You have a physical, and then you have a spiritual, and then you have a mental representation of everything. And so, um, Tesla talked about the Trinity is as far as in threes and sixes and nines. And so it's in, that's, that's 
what is special about this number is that everything is in threes, right? And what that says to me is that there's not just one way or two ways. There's always this third, this outside. Um, and that is what, that's the spirit is that third, that third part of it. The, the third part is what gives us dimension, right? Uh, it gives us depth. And so when you have two points on a plane, you're, there's only, it's two dimensional, right? It's just a line. When you add that third one, you have that Trinity and you have uh, depth. You have an actual physical rendering of something as opposed to something that you're viewing on a piece of paper. Right. And one thing about alchemy or, or hermeticism is that there's, there's no, one way that something that anything is meant to be interpreted it teaches that uh all truth is subjective right i think the 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 quote is all truths are but half truths and when you read like plato you're talking allegory of the cave you've got all these people that are seeing different things um at the same time and perceiving or they're seeing the same shadows but they're all seeing different things and they all have different truths coming from these things and so uh Alchemical text, for example, is usually written about in terms of metallurgy, right? It's taking lead and turning it into gold. Um, but there's always a metaphor, and they use metal to be able to write about this um, and uh, not have it burned or, or, or taken like all the other sacred knowledge was, right? Um, we've had multiple book burnings in our history as far as sacred or esoteric texts that were taken from us and destroyed. And so it sounds pretty innocent to be talking about trying to turn lead into gold, um, which a lot of people will just tell you is impossible. And so you have these crazy alchemists that were trying to um, do the impossible, but you have physical alchemy, you have mental alchemy, you have spiritual alchemy, you have all these different things that you can use the same words to describe, right? The exact same words. It's just how you perceive it. And then how you apply those things is what makes a difference. And so, um, a lot of what dictates, whether it's a symbol or whether it's, uh, anything is the intention that's associated with it. So you have like the propeller that was a symbol of peace and life and prosperity for thousands of years. And then you had the Nazis that flipped it over and tried to use it as something negative, right? You have um, people that invert the cross or you have people, there's all these symbols that can mean good things or bad things. What, 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 determines that is the intention that's associated with it. There are people that try to use the Baphomet as something very negative to them. Um, and I see the Baphomet as a symbol of duality, right? The Templars worship Baphomet. And what that was, was, you know, she has, or it has one hand up and one hand down. It's the union of the left and right. It's got the breasts and it's also got the phallus that's being made by the caduceus. And so it's feminine and masculine together. And so it's a symbol of duality, which is a very beautiful thing to me. Right. And that's how I see it. And so that's what that symbol is in my experience. Right. That doesn't mean that that symbol means the same thing or carries the same power, the same vibration in somebody else's experience, because that is what their intention, um, is, 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 is doing with it. And so like when it comes to words and stuff, we're taught that, uh, curse words, for example, like we're, we're cursing each other when we use these words, it's less about, 
um, the, the words that are coming out of our mouths and more about the intention that are associated with the words and the way that we vibrate them. Right. So you can use profanity and you can use it, um, tactfully, right. Uh, and do something positive with it. Right. But that's the intention that's associated with it. It's not being used. If you're using something to try and hurt someone, that's what it's going to do. You know, it's going to hurt someone. You could use the same words and you can use them differently and get different results. Intention is everything. You know, but I do have a quick question um, because I absolutely love like hermetic art um, from they all of the, you know, hermetic prophecies and all that good stuff like that art is really intriguing and beautiful. But I know a lot of it has to tie into occultism. And so, I mean, esoteric, you know, and occultism, they just they're kind of like big blanket terms now because they're being blown up. You know, and and the and the and and so, it's hard to really get a grasp and explain to people what true occultism now is, right? Like Knights Templar, like they were looking up. You know, they are all about occultic information and and seeking the highest um, knowledge that man could have, right? Like that's what right. I understand occultism is is un- getting the most spiritual alignment proper ascension that we can get um but these symbols that are let out through our um very very symbolistic society we live in everything that we see and understand in modern times is symbolic um you know from corona uh the crown to you know to, to block and lower our vibration and keep us incredibly stagnant to all of the uh, pharmaceuticals and the water and everything is symbolic. It's symbolic. And so that on its own is, is occultic to understand the opposing symbols there. Um, Right. So, but I guess I don't really, uh, I kind of lost the frame of what question I was going for, but um, what, what do you believe is the, um, is like the intention or the goals of the people running today's system and society. And their um, what, what do you think their uh, occultic, uh, you know, alliances lead towards? Is it, is it hermeticism? Is it Knights Templar Rosicrucian kind of like belief or what do you, what do you believe is going on with that? Okay. Well, the word occult, let's start with that. It just means hidden. Right. That's that's all it is, is something that is meant to be understood by the initiate or the initiated. Okay, so um, which is a perspective thing. If you have you're going to you're going to see these things differently based on uh, the perspective of the initiate than you would based on the perspective of the layman. Right. Um, Which is just like with word magic or whatever. Once you understand what's happening, it doesn't work on you the same way. Um, The motivations i would say of the people that that control this place are uh, i'm gonna sound pretty blackpilled here for a minute but uh they're not positive we are that's okay <laughs> livestock right um we're livestock and and sam Tripley calls it louche um but there is this energy this life force that we all have and this is what feeds these uh, people call them elites, but elites don't have to hide. They're more like parasites. Um, and the idea is to keep us as sick 
and as unhappy as possible while still being able to afford our prescriptions, right? And still being able to pay our bills and still being, because what this experience is, is creating just a ton of debt slaves, right? Um, if you do it right, you know, air quotes, uh, you're, you're going to be a quarter million or a half million dollars in debt by the time that you're in your mid twenties. Right. And at that point they have you and you've got this whole middle-class America that is settling, right? It doesn't matter. It's something I talk about a lot. It doesn't matter what, how much money you make, you're, you make more money, you're going to get a bigger house. You make more money, you're going to buy a faster car. You make more money, now you're going to want a boat, right? And then you're going to want a beach house. And so there's always this this more. And so you are trading your time and your energy for material things that thinking these material things are going to make you happy um, is, is the way that we're taught to live. And so I think that the main focus of these people is just keeping us on the material, because if you're focused on the material, you're not focused on the spiritual, right. Or the the esoteric, they want us focused on the literal, um, and the, the, the normal, as opposed to the, the, um, the things that carry higher vibrations. And ultimately, um, Hermeticism is about growth, right? And taking control of your experience. And it it teaches that you're either a master of your experience or you're a victim of somebody else's experience. And what we're taught is to be a victim of someone else's experience, which is why Hermeticism is shunned by pop culture and by uh, most mainstream religion, um, which we're, we're taught that the word occult is bad, that it, it's the same as a cult, right? When in fact it's cult-like behavior that's, that's telling you that, right? I'm trying not to offend people here. Um, but when we look at these words and what they mean, it's kind of like the pot calling the kettle black, you know? Um, and so it's to keep you, all of this experience is engineered to keep you from, realizing who you are and what you are and your abilities as a powerful co-creator. Um, because once you understand, you know, that you are even, even, uh, mainstream religion will teach you that you're of God, that you were created in the image of God, right. Or that, that, which means that you are God-like you are, God was a creator, right. And every, every, uh, religion, um, and, and we are a creator just like that, but we are taught to, um, to beg to be saved, whether it's by a higher power or by, uh, an, a politician or by, um, our parents or by society, by the government, you know, we're taught to, to be powerless and be victims and then hope to be saved. Whereas most of the esoteric teachings, hermeticism specifically, is about taking power of your experience and creating a more favorable experience from the less favorable experience that's handed down from the oligarchs, right? So there, I say they, you know, uh, their their biggest fear is us realizing the tricks right through the word magic um through the 
enslavement, through mainstream religion, um, through all of these different avenues, once we realize what these things are, how they affect us, and how to protect ourselves from it, we're pretty much untouchable, right? And that's why this message is censored so hard. That's why we're taught that all of this stuff is taboo. That's why crystals are bad, right? Is because you carrying this freaking rock in your pocket can change your whole experience or change the way that their negativity is able to affect you, right? And that's a dangerous thing. That's a dangerous thing. Just like we can cure cancer with baking soda, dude, with baking soda. And what does cancer eat? It eats sugar. What are they shoving down everybody's throat since they're little kids? You know? And we're taught that, yeah, exactly. We're taught that that heroin and cocaine are bad, but sugar has the exact same effects on the brain as both of those things. And it's accepted. You have the standard American diet, which is just terrible, man. They're, they're, they're making us sick and they're making us unhappy and they're making us make each other unhappy. Right. And when people ask me like, what's your favorite conspiracy? It's my answer is there's only one conspiracy right? And if this conspiracy and this conspiracy and this conspiracy and this conspiracy are all just offshoots of this one conspiracy that is to keep you living in the material and keep you in this low vibration state and keep you from creating. Because once you start creating, you get really good at it really fast, right? Once you realize, holy cow, I dictate all of this. And once you realize that the first step into creating a new reality is destroying your current reality. And all it takes to destroy your current reality is to, is not, is to not accept that as your reality. That's it. As soon as you stop accepting something, it doesn't exist. And so once you stop accepting the programming and once you stop accepting, um, the attacks, they can't affect you anymore. And it's like I say all the time, I don't live in a pandemic, right? I go and I do what I'm going to do. I live exactly the same as I would have lived any other time in history, right? I breathe air just like I would have in any other time in history. I hug people. I shake hands. I interact with people, right? I don't hide from any of this. I don't avoid people because I see them sneeze, right? Like I don't give any of this that power over me because that is why we're where we're at is we've accepted this, right? And we've accepted this narrative. And even though a lot of us don't necessarily believe what's coming out of that magic box that's on the side of the wall, that's called a television. This thing is telling you a vision and what we're watching on this television is called programming, right? They're not even hiding it from you. And a big part of how this magic works is they're very concerned with karma, right? Because we all have to pay our karmic debt. There's no, this is natural law. There's no getting around that, right? But how they can protect themselves from this negative karma is by telling us what they're going to do before they do it. So if I tell you, I'm going to do something bad to you and you just say, okay, and you sit there and you let me do it, then that's on you. That's not on me. You, that's just, you just offered a form of your consent. So these people are going to tell you everything they're going to do to you before they do it. And that's how we can know what's going to happen next. And that's how we can prepare for it is by paying attention to what's being said. And this attention that we're paying to things is currency, right? Mm -hmm. It's not called paying your attention for no reason, right? Mm -hmm. And we can observe something, right? We can see something, we can witness something without paying it our attention. So we have to start being very careful and very deliberate about what we pay our attention to. Yes. It's the hero's journey, right? Exactly. Uh, so. I was thinking about this the other day is that, you know, in religions, they're given their energy up to a deity and 
that's where like I have like problems uh with like those types of belief systems. I believe you should be internalizing that energy and using it for your own self rather than externalizing that energy and giving it away to other things. Uh, I think money, uh, you can say is the same thing is all the energy that we're using throughout the week. We're getting a, a bill or a note for it and we're exchanging that energy to buy goods with. But if we internalize even that energy from the work that we do into ourselves and work on ourselves, then we affect change within us and we're giving ourselves back that energy. We're replenishing ourselves and not instead of draining that energy out. Right. And that energy that we are putting into ourselves is going to change our vibrations, which is going to change our experience. Right. And so we're kind of going out the whole thing bass backwards, right? We're giving our energy to someone else and expecting them to fix our experience. And, and, but this is very deliberate and this is very malicious. And when you go back and you, when you, I have studied comparative religion and sacred texts for most of my life, because I was really upset about, how religion was presented to me. Um, I was in a very abusive childhood and I kind of put religion into that same box as the trauma and the abuse and everything. And so I moved out at 16 and um, I kind of ran from all of that. I was always very spiritual, but I didn't understand the difference between spirituality and religion. And I've come to realize that these are polar opposites, right? You can't be religious and spiritual. You're either spiritual or you're religious, right? And spirituality is the understanding of the divine self and the, the feeding of the divine self, whereas the uh, religion is a means of control, right? And it's a means of harvesting that divine energy for... Exactly. And when you really go in and look a lot of this first of all all abrahamic religion is based on solar worship right and people can argue me until the, with me until the cows come home but there were a thousand religions that predated christianity with their deities that were born and died on the same day right it's all solstice it's all equinox right that's we're, we're talking about the sun which the, all of our stories are about this exactly the stories are about the son of god right which and the sun uh is is falls and and rests in the same place for three days and then the sun is risen right this is this the winter solstice where the sun is in its lowest spot in the sky for three days and then it begins to rise and the days get longer again and so you have this solar worship that we're engaged in which is an inversion to begin with because saturn used to be the sun and so back to your what do these uh elites believe they're all saturn worshipers right? You had the, every, every indigenous culture writes about this old sun, the primordial sun, primordial sun, or the primeval sun, or the superior sun that went to rest. That was Saturn going away. And when you talk about what begins a day, right, is the rising of the sun, right? Well, what the Egyptians started their day at sunset, at what we consider sunset. So when the luminous sun went down and then Saturn rose in the night sky, that was the beginning of the Egyptian day. Okay. So this whole, we work during the day thing is an inversion in itself. So everything is upside down. Everything that's handed to us from 
the mainstream or from the oligarchs is inverted, right? Whether it's the story of the Garden of Eden, I have a major problem with. It's like, wait, so these people were prisoners in this garden and this dude gives them this divine knowledge that that's what we're here to acquire, right? Is this divine knowledge and teaches them how to procreate and teaches them how to have an existence. And then not only is this the devil that gave them this, this knowledge, but they were cursed for it. Right. Like, and, and how can someone tell me that this, the, the deities in the old Testament and the new Testament are the same deities, right? You've got one that's of love and acceptance and understanding and one that's of vengeance and jealousy and uh, smiting almighty smiter, you know, there's, None of this stuff makes sense. And then you've got, you know, Lucifer, who we're told is Satan, who we're told is the devil, who we're told all is the Baphomet, are all the same beings, right? But Lucifer is the, the morning star. He's the light bringer, right? Yeah. So in what story is the light bringer the bad guy, you know? And when you go back and you look at it, in the original story, the, the serpent wasn't stories. the tempter. Exactly. The serpent wasn't the tempter the the jackal or the fox was the tempter okay and now you're talking anubis right which is this cynocephalus which you know christopher columbus was depicted uh, he was seven foot tall and had the head of a dog you know which is something that not many people know but look up christopher columbus and uh look up dog-headed man and you will see pictures of columbus depicted with a, the head of a dog with the sun behind him just like jesus is always depicted right? It's called the Sinocephalus is, is the dog headed man. Okay. And is it coincidence that Christopher Columbus, the Christian saint, right? The bringer of Christianity to the new world, right? Who brought all the Christian dogma, right? Which is a word that we don't understand where this comes from. Is it dog related? Cause this dude had a dog head or the fact that he was called the Sinocephalus and syphilis showed up. At the same time, is syphilis and cephalus? Are we meant to believe wow. that those are unrelated? Phallus. Well, phallus is penis. Yeah, exactly. Cephalus. And so you have this very convoluted, and people who have researched Christopher Columbus and who he was and how he operated and you know how that whole story went will know that he wasn't that great of a dude. And then you go back and you research like King James. For example, the King James Bible is supposed to be the most accurate version of this book that we have. And he was a pedophile. He was openly uh, uh, homosexual, which I have no problem with, but Christianity does. Right. And so this guy wasn't King James was not a good dude. He was a murderer and he was he did things to children that I don't even like to talk about. And this is where we get our book from and then go back and read Moses and read about who Moses was and what he did and how he spread Christianity. Cause it was basically like, listen, adopt my doctrine or die. Right. And this is where, and uh, 2.4 million confirmed kills in the Bible alone Jeez. by the creator. That's it. When, when you take everything, 2.4 million, million kills. And so my thing about religion is, love yourself, right? And love the people around you and love this plane, right? And if you do those three things, then you're going to be fine, right? And if some book or some pastor or some anyone is telling you that that is a unjust or unclean or unpure way to live, then that's somebody that you probably shouldn't be listening to, right? 
Um, because that's what it's about is, is leaving this world a better place than you found it. Right. And being better than who you were yesterday or when you woke up this morning or five minutes ago. Um, I had a question. Yeah, go ahead. Alphabet. Uh, you know, in, in the ancient Hebrew, they just use consonants. They didn't use vowels. Do vowels hold uh, a bigger uh, vibrational pattern than consonants? Uh, because a lot of times you see that the God names all start with vowels. And you see that, um, like, the continents all start with vowels. Uh, is there is there any higher vibration to the vowel letters also i saw that yahweh might actually be all the vowels put together a e i o u like a o u well so uh a vowel is a sound it's a vibration right or so a, a vowel, consonant a vowel exactly and so when you take like cr for example you're making this sound right but there's no real vibration that's coming out right where you have a e or a ah or a o these are these this is a vibration exactly this is a tune this is uh and so that is where the vowels get their power and that's why the english language is so powerful is because of its use of vowels and you know like you said all the gods names start with a vowel and the angels for example which is the same word as angle right just slightly represented the the l right when you take the word word and the the word is where everything started right and you put an l in it you have the word world right and so an l is all that separates the word from the world right l is a very sacred letter it's a very sacred sound and when you couple that with e Right, you you have L, you have this this because an L is like a L sound until you put an E with it, and then it's it becomes an L. Right, every angel has their word ends with L. Right, you have Michael, you have Gabriel, you have Azrael, you have they all end with L, and what that L means is Lord or of the Lord. Right. And so, which is why it's so interesting that the, the people in Superman, right? Like Superman's name was Kal-El, right? And his dad's name was like Razel or something, you know, but they all, their names end with L and they separate it with like a dash and it's so-and-so L. And so like, they're really trying to tell you that this is like angel related. This is, this is angelic. And this is what Superman is. It's like maybe the last of this angelic, um, this race and that uh krypton and 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 kryptonite is moldavite right that's that's what this is and and moldavite is a so the story esoterically of of where moldavite came from is when michael and lucifer got into it and uh lucifer was struck on the crown okay and this stone fell from his crown and fell to earth Right. And this stone that fell from his crown is what the Holy Grail or the chalice of Christ was fashioned from. Okay. Was this stone. So the Holy Grail was literally made of Moldavite. Right. And, and Napoleon ended up with the, the Holy Grail at one point and he was pissed because he searched for it his whole life and he found it. And he was like, dude, this is just a green cup. Like this is a cup just of green glass. And he had no idea what it was or what it represented or how to use it. Right. Um, 
But I forgot where I was going with this, but Moldavite is, oh, uh, kryptonite right, is just this sacred stone that has the ability to change the vibrations of these beings, Take right? Take powers and away. Ex- exactly. And so it, and when you learn about Moldavite and what it does with your energy level and your vibrations and how it instantly opens and aligns all your chakras, and then it, this is making you Christ-like, right? What does it mean to be Christ-like? Because that's what everybody wants, right? Is to be Christ-like. Where does this, where does this come from? Well, the word Christ comes from the word Christos. Okay. Christos was a crystal. This is a Greek word for crystal. They found quartz crystal. Okay. And they thought it was the ice of the gods. Okay. Is what they called it. So to be Christ-like is to be like Christos. Okay. And to Christos is crystal, right? So it's to be crystalline is what to be uh, it, it means to be christ-like this okay is the kingdom of god too is all crystalline structures exactly and so you have your and physical computer body, motherboards everything yeah your cell phone you're just talking to a crystal dude but we don't talk about that right nobody wants to talk about the fact that this is magic this what's happening right now is Agreed. magic we're using a quartz crystal we're using a quartz crystal right to talk from hundreds of miles away right? We're transmitting voice. We're transmitting sound. We're transmitting picture. We're transmitting all of this. We're communicating, right? Through this rock. Okay. And nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to talk about it. You know, magic is not real. According to 98% of the population, anybody that tells me that magic is not real, it's like, <laughs> yeah, then how are you having a conversation with your cell phone right now? You know, you're talking and when you code computers, you're using this computer language to write programming, right? That's teaching that crystal how to act. Magic is hiding behind the walls of science that is being fucking just indoctrinating into the mainstream fucking psyche. You know, they're like, Absolutely. magic, magic isn't real. This has a scientific background to it. It's technology made from people who have lots of money. You wouldn't get it. You're a peasant. You grow fucking weed, you fucking idiot. And yep. like, wow, man. All right. <laughs> I'll see you later, though. Yeah. What, what well, did you and, say about angel though? What does angel mean? Angel is like a, it's very closely associated with the word angle, which is like light and how mm. it enters our experience. Yeah. Like light doesn't bend; it refracts. You know, I, uh, and so I looked it up to the etymology of the word, and it uh, comes from the word agel, which mean, meant that a bull that runs in circles. And the etymology of the word angel is a circle or a corner, which I find very interesting because a the, circle Masons, or a corner. the Masons use a compass and a square. Right. Right. Yeah. And how many times have you heard the four corners of the world talked about? Yeah. And the or, three circles. Right. And so four all seasons. of this, yeah, yeah. All of this, everything that we, that exists inside our language and our culture. And that's a word that, I can't use without explaining that like culture is not your friend. Like culture is not a good thing. Culture is something that is developed in a think tank and then handed down to us. And so it's like, this is American culture, right? And they'll tell us that this is what Americans do. And then this is how Americans act because that's their culture. That's what they're supposed to act like. Right. And so, um, now I forgot where I was going with this. Uh, bond bond to this culture so you can separate yourself from the collective or something like that 
Well, it's just a way for them to separate us. Culture's you know? not good, you said. Yeah, culture is not it's it's not your friend. Um, this is them using the principle of polarity again. And what they're trying to do is separate you into all these different boxes, which is like this is why we write our pronouns in our our titles now on our on our social media is so that and this is why you have to post what this is why we have groups that we're supposed to be in this is why we have colors that we wear or flags that we fly as these are all just ways to, these are invisible borders for them to put up between us and they can associate just like they did with the word conspiracy or conspiracy theorists this term was coined after everybody knew that the jfk story was bullshit right everybody knew that and so they couldn't have people talking about this. So they tied the JFK people to the Bigfoot people, to the alien people, to all of these other things, right? And said, if you are a conspiracy theorist, then that means that you are all of this, right? If you question what happened with JFK, then you believe in aliens and you think that Bigfoot's going to come and take you while you're asleep and you, you know, you hear voices and you blah, 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 blah. And they took all of these things and crammed them into this one category so that everybody went, wait, I don't want to be one of those, Right. And then people quit talking about JFK. So like they generalize these people and they get this group to not like this group and this group to not like this group. And you're in all five of these groups. Right. And then you find out now somebody decides that this third group that you're in can't be friends with this second group that somebody else is in. And now you two can't associate publicly anymore. Right. Or else there's going to be backlash. And they've, I have this conversation with my son's mom all the time because I try to come at her. I use the words very deliberately. I don't use words with, uh, I don't try to create negativity in her life because I know that's going to manifest in my son's life. Right. But I will say things that are true and I will say them respectfully. Right. And calmly. And, and, and she'll say things like there, you are making me the bad person again. And I go, no, 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 no. I stated a fact. I, I calmly and respectfully stated a fact, right? Which if that's not an acceptable way for me to communicate with you, then that's not an issue on my end, right? That's an issue on how you take things. Now, facts do not have opinions. Facts are not mean. They're not good or bad. Facts just are, okay? And if I state a fact to you, and that makes you feel like a bad person, then that means that you need to create different facts, right? That I can state that don't make you feel like a bad person, right? That's not me being mean. People will tell you that facts are mean or to present a different opinion is mean, right? It's not mean to be different. It's not mean to not fit into the collective. That is what the problem is with today's society is that to have a different opinion or to question anything makes you a homophobic or it makes you a racist or it makes you, they've got all these little subcategories for you to fit into. And if you don't agree with this, then you're this. And if you feel this way, then you're this. And it's like, facts just are, man. Things just are. And math doesn't mean, isn't mean like the average yeah exactly and so that's that's funny like is it is it mean to find common ground is it mean to to be the mean common ground is the mean yeah and so (laughs) and and what is it to be mean to somebody is is it is it is 
is that Ego. defined? Exactly. That's where I'm going with it. Some me saying something that doesn't make you feel good right now, if I'm saying something with ill intention, that's one thing. But if I say something right and you take that because my words can only affect you and the way that you allow them to affect you. Okay. And I get shit talked on me all the time. I'm the crazy crystal guy, right? I'm the mad hatter. Cool. Hit me with it, you know, but that shit is only going to affect me the way that I allow it to affect me. And if something that you say can have a negative impact on my vibrations, that's a me problem, dude. That's a me problem. That's something I need to work on. I don't need to get mad at you for that, right? Because you should be able to say whatever you want and that shouldn't affect my vibrations, right? Because my vibrations are my vibrations because I am the master of my experience and my vibrations are what dictate this experience, right? So as soon as somebody else can say something or do something that's going to make me feel some type of way, I got an issue that I got to work on, you know? That's a me thing. And so people are so quick to blame each other with this this victim mentality is is where we're taught i'm here because of you right you can't say that because that makes me feel some type of way right like that's my problem i'm gonna deliver the truth what i see as the truth okay and you can take that or leave that but i'm not gonna change the way that i deliver a message because someone doesn't know how to receive that message. Everything that comes out of my mouth comes out with an intention of love. If I'm telling you something that is not easy for you to hear, I know that's not easy for you to hear. And it's probably not easy for me to say either, right? But sometimes somebody's got to say the hard shit, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And if that's going to make me a bad guy, then I'll wear that badge, right? Because I'm going to say what needs to be said. I'm going to ask the questions that nobody else wants to, right? And if you just want me to be the hatter, if that's just what this crazy guy over here says, then I'll wear that crown or wear that badge too, you know? <clears throat> that hat, exactly. <laughs> that bad uh, hat. But I'm not going to I'm not going to change my experience or my reality to fit into somebody else's reality, right? And that's that we should all have that attitude. We should be unapologetically us period absolutely absolutely i have a question about um so if someone's throwing some negative stuff at you and you just know that it's happening right but you have these specific crystals that are known to protect from negative energy right or negative psychic energy how would you explain to someone who doesn't really um understand crystals how that is going to work on that uh on that crystalline level on that on that uh energetic level how is this how could a crystal um help your body and your energy not receive negative um outside input it's a vibration right so uh it's <clears throat> we can walk in a vibration of fear it's like right? a force field Exactly. It's it, nice. We've all seen those people that you know not to question, right? Like I'm the only dude that walks into the store out here without a face covering, right? And nobody asks me about it. Nobody's going to say anything to me. Nobody's going to tell me to put that on because I vibrate. Don't fuck with me, right? It's that simple, right? Like these guys know before they say anything that I'm not going to do that. Right. And that's a vibration that I wear and it's very deliberate and it's not 
from a place of resentment. It's not from a place of anger. And that's the big, what's been the big change for me between this year and last year. I was very angry about the way that things were by the end of last year. It was two weeks to flatten the curve. It was be a part of the solution, not a part of the problem, right? It was all these things. And then a year goes by and everybody's still saying the same thing that was getting said in January. And I'm the bad guy for going, wait, 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 wasn't two weeks, like 52 weeks ago. I'm like, oh, well, you don't care about the elderly or you don't care about this or you don't blah, 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 blah. yourself, this, that, and the other thing. I'm selfish because I want to breathe oxygen, right? And so like I was angry and that came through in the vibrations that I carried and people came up to me and they talked shit. And they told me I was the problem. And it still happens sometimes, right? But people would come and they were confrontational with me, right? But I was vibrating confrontation, right? And so that's what I was running into. I wanted these people to come up and challenge me so that I could tell them how I felt, right? So that I give them a piece of my mind. And that's not what it's about for me anymore. It's about my experience, right? I'm going to do me. I'm going to do me proudly. I'm going to do me unapologetically, right? And there's nothing that anybody can do that's going to make me, there's nothing that anybody can say or do that's going to make me change what I'm going to do with my body, right? Or with my experience or with my life. And it's that simple, right? I don't have to get angry. I don't have to be resentful. I don't have to do anything. I just have to do me, right? And that's a vibration. And so these crystals, whether it's black tourmaline, that's going to ground you, right? Because that's what it's about is grounding you, right? And you being able to do something with this trauma that you're carrying around because all your trauma is carried in your root chakra, right? And this black tourmaline is associated with the root chakra. And so this is going to ground you and help you deal with those things, right? A lot of the, the crystals that we use for negativity, right? Or for um, uh, releasing things are associated, they're dark, they're dark in color. They're, they're associated with the root chakra. That's where all, that's where all the healing starts is in the root, right? And if you are grounded in yourself and in your experience, that shit's not going to bother you. You're not going to let it affect you. You're grounded. You're solid. You know, you're this gigantic Oak tree. That's got all of these, this gigantic network of roots that goes into the ground hundreds of feet. You're not blowing over because somebody decides to send a little wind your way, you know? It's just a vibration. Yes. Ah, I love that. (laughs) (laughs) And any crystal that you work with is the same way. You know, you have high vibration crystals and you have lower vibration crystals. You have cosmic crystals and you have grounding crystals. And then you have this heart space that's in between. And that's what it's all about is uniting the opposites, right? You have the lower chakras, you have three above or three below and three above right? And then you have the heart space that's in between. And so what you're trying to do is exactly find that green heart space, right? And if you're operating in the heart space at a a vibration of love, because again, this is what it is to be Christ-like, is to be crystalline, which is to operate in in a vibration of unconditional love. That's all it is, right? So when you are operating in that vibration, you are active above, you are active below, you are in balance. You have united the feminine and the masculine. You have taken the yin and the yang and crammed those things together and you are blissfully vibrating love into this experience, right? And that love is shining onto everyone that you encounter. This is what it is to be crystalline. Yeah, You know, it's that simple. That's very well put, well said right there. The PZO projection. Uh, yeah. I, got, I got another word of magic when you were talking, though, and that's the word uh, grounded. Uh, you want to be grounded, but uh, as a teenager, I got grounded a lot and not, <laughs> not in a good way. Not in a good way. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> 
Well, and here's the thing when you're grounded, I got grounded to my room. Yeah. Right. And so it was like, I came home from school and I sat in my room and I was pissed off. I was just angry, you know, and that's what it was to be grounded or to experience grounding. I was never taught how to deal with anything. Right. I was never taught how to deal with anything. I was never taught how to process anything. I was sent to my room. Right. And I was, I would just go bathe in it and I would just bask in it and I would just get more angry and more angry. And then when I got released, I was like this animal that had been poked in a cage, you know, and I went out and I did more shit that got me more grounded. Right. Because nobody ever taught me how to ground myself. Nobody ever taught me. And and it's just like, uh, connecting with the earth is huge. Earthing or grounding like physically is gigantic. Five minutes a day, 10 minutes a day, dude, go outside and stand on the ground barefoot, not on the concrete, in the grass or in the dirt. And you will not believe what it does for your level of inflammation, for your level of stress and anxiety, like connecting with the earth, right? And connecting with the ocean is huge because the ocean is first of all, uh, seawater, or ocean water carries very almost the exact same salt content that we carry as humans. Okay, we are have the same amount of solid to liquid as the Earth does, right? As far as the Earth is seventy something percent water, or eighty something percent water, and we are built very similarly to the Earth. And I would say that this is not because we're not on the Earth right? We are the earth. We're a part of the earth. We are cells in a large organism that is the earth. And the earth is a cell and an, an organism much larger than that. Yeah. Right? Larger than we could ever fathom. And so this is the micro is the macro, right? But when you go and you stand in the ocean, you are connected. Sodium is an incredible neurotransmitter, which is why you can OD on soy sauce, right? Like if you drink a whole <laughs> bottle of soy sauce, you're going to die. It's going to kill you. And it's because sodium is such a potent neurotransmitter that it's just going to short circuit your brain and you're going to die. Don't be doing any TikTok videos about drinking bottles of soy sauce. Yeah. Don't do it. Don't do it. Real Um, quick too, before you go, can you tell us about the salt crystal? Because that is fascinating. Is that, is that too big of a, um, too big of a rabbit hole to go down? Because I know we're at two hours now, but salt is amazing. And I try to tell it a lot on the show. Crystals are amazing, but salt is a crystal, right? Salt. Well, you have crystallized salt, right? And then table salt is broken down and iodized, which changes the crystalline properties. And so if you're going to do salt, right, you want to do real salt, um, uniodized, unprocessed. And that's not to say that iodine doesn't have holistic properties, uh, cause it absolutely does, especially in elderly people. Um, this is something that, uh, crow triple seven talks about a lot is iodine in um, in old people and how it affects the memory and the cognitive abilities. And, um, there is also iodine in a lot of the foods that we eat, um, which is important, but it doesn't need to be put into our salt and processed into our salt. And a lot of these things that are processed, whether it's salt or whether it's uh, our water right there, water is alive. Okay. So my favorite place to get water is from city park at Mount Shasta city. And so you go there and there's just, there's always a hundred people there. Um, but there's just this rock shelf that goes across and there's just this water that gushes out from underneath it. And this is the foot of the mountain. And so you have this water that is literally leaving Mount Shasta, which is an earth chakra, right? So a very magical place, an entry point 
of, of cosmic energy for the earth because the earth is alive and sentient just like we are. And it has to take energy from, you know, from the cosmos or from the ether, just like we do. Right. And this water is charged and it is alive and is structured and comes out of there. And that water drinking that living water, you will feel a difference. You will, you will, it is, it is palpable, the difference. Right. And so when you take this, this alive living water and you process it, right? And then you add chlorine and you add fluoride, which are both poisons, right? And I think there's 140 other chemicals in tap water. That water is no longer alive, right? The vibrations of that water are no longer positive and pure, okay? And so it's actually damaging to you. Chemicals aside, just drinking this water, this low vibration water, is damaging to you and your and 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 your vibrations. And so with salt, it's the same thing. They're taking this substance that was created, right? And if it if if it didn't have a purpose, it wouldn't be here. Right? It wouldn't be here. And so we're taking something that's perfect, that has a purpose, and we're changing it, right? And it's it's affecting us differently than how it was meant to affect us. And so you could say a, a conspiratorial uh, minded person would say that that was malicious, right? You know, our, our, our shoes, the, the soul, right. Of our shoes, right. Are those rubber by accident, right? Does this soul uh, sever our connection with the earth? Is that accidental? You know, oh. because you can't ground through rubber. It's an insulator. You see what I'm saying? So why don't we make shoes with souls that will transfer energy? You know, copper why does souls it cost or something. Two hundred dollars to buy a pair of yeah, you can buy earthing shoes for two hundred bucks. You know, but I never seen Nike come out with a pair of earthing shoes. You know, and they're telling me to just do it. So how do I just do it? You know, if, if I can't connect with Gaia, you know, and so all of this is weaponized salt. So, is a great thing, man, but it gets screwed up. <laughs> What's your opinion on EMF fabric? I don't know a whole lot about it. I've got um, more organite than any human probably should have. And so, and it's in my truck. I don't go anywhere without it in my pocket. Um, so I don't worry a whole lot about EMF. I've got uh, shungite strips on most of my devices and tower busters on the ones that I don't. And so that's something that I just kind of nip in the bud. Uh, but it can't hurt, you know, EMF is incredible. And when you, when you look at the, how the Spanish flu and, um, all these things line up with major energetic shifts that happened on the earth. So we had, uh, when telegram was rolled out, we had a major flu, Right. And then when the electric grid was rolled out, we had another major flu, a pandemic. And then, you know, when uh, Wi Fi got big, we had another pandemic, right? We had swine flu or bird flu and all this shit. And then now we've got this 5G, which is this new frequency, this new vibration, and everybody's getting sick. So one could make the argument that there is a direct correlation between the electromagnetic field that we are creating or that we are adjusting and how that manifests in the human Toxifying. animal. Exactly. And so I think that EMF is, uh, 
hugely troubling. And it's that's not a problem that's getting better. That's a problem that's getting worse. And people don't understand that everything electronic carries this this radiation, this electromagnetic radiation. And we sleep with our cell phones on our chests or right next to us, you know? And we uh, have the router right next to us. And we uh, people are all excited about 5G and Wi-Fi in their car and shit. And it's like, you don't understand, man. Like, you got to give your body a break from that somewhere. And so I create... I can't fix everything, right? I can't. But I can fix my space, right? And I can create a safe space for myself and for the people that I care about. And I can protect my energy to the best of my ability. I can educate people on organite and on ways to protect themselves from it. But ultimately I can't solve this technology problem. Right. And so I would just say if it feels good, then use it, man. If you want to protect yourself with orgone, then use orgone. If you want to protect yourself with EMF fabric, then protect it. I mean, it, it, it can't hurt. And if it makes you feel better, then it's going to make your experience better. And so go for it. You know, my uh, my opinion on it is like it's kind of like, well, if it's blocking electromagnetic from going in, is it blocking your electricity from going out? And is it suppressing your tornado field and your ability to create your auric uh, shielding? You know, because I have a hat that is made of EMF fabric and sometimes I'll wear it and I just like kind of like have a headache you know i'm like is it too tight or something like i don't know but then i started thinking about well you know i don't it's kind of like sage is it just it's it's just suppressing all electromagnetic you know because we need electricity we are electricity we are conductors we are all the things and so um that's kind of my opinion on it. It kind of sketches me out a little bit. You know, it's another marketing tool, another marketing ploy. And so I personally don't fuck with it. I definitely fuck with the Organite though. And the Shungite. Well, and here's the thing, like you can't, in my opinion, you can't have too much energy in your space, right? Even if it makes you feel funny at some point, Right, which having a ton of orgone, if you're not used to it, can make you feel a little funny. You know, it might take you some time to adjust to. But this energy is life force, right? This is what what creates this experience. So you and your ability to um, experience that and harness that and and bathe in that is ultimately going to manifest in your experience. Um, one thing about protective clothing, man, is a lot of people don't realize that cotton carries a vibration. Right. Um, and that uh, polyester and, and these combinations of, of different, um, I'm, the word substrate is coming to mind. But that's what I'm talking about. But uh, components, right? Uh, whether it's silk or um, the, mixing these things can cancel the vibrations of the other. And so, like, one of the things that I thought was really interesting in the Old Testament is it tells you not to mix your fabrics and your garments that you wear and your, and your, and your garments that you wear. And, um, somebody just did a study on this. And I I think that a lot of the stuff that's in the Bible is pretty convoluted and inverted, but it was an interesting, uh, perspective for someone to approach it from was like measuring the vibrations of, of the cotton and how that affected, um, our vibrations and our abilities to create and manifest things. And here's the thing, like, I think more than anything, 
the placebo effect is gigantic in this kind of a circumstance. Mm-hmm. If you wear yeah. a shirt and you think that shirt is going to take away your ability to create, um, it's going to take away your ability to create period. If you think that someone can ruin your day, right. And you have chosen to give them that power over you, then they have that power over you, right? There are rights that can't be taken away from us, right? They're inalienable, but we can be convinced or duped into giving these things up. Right. And, and that's, that's a very important distinction for, for, I think some people to, to realize is that these things are only going to have the power over you that you consent to them having. Right. And so if you believe that a shirt can alter your ability to dictate your experience, then that's a problem, right? That's a problem in you. And that's a problem in your choice of, of, of what you're going to wear. And that's not to say that it can't alter your vibrations because anything can alter your vibrations, but how you allow those things to alter your vibrations and your ability to control your experience is entirely up to you. You know, well, placebo is specific. It's just intuition, right? Or, uh, it's your, it's your intention. Like it placebo is like your, you know, the power of intention. If you think this thing's going to work, you think it's not, you know, you're going to suppress that in yourself and manifest it into some sort of reality in your situation. And yeah, that's a really big, big, beautiful part and point. Um, I appreciate your, your brain, sir. It's a beautiful brain. Uh, Real quick, manifestation 101 is creating something in your mind, right? And then experiencing gratitude for that. And once you can experience gratitude for something that exists in your mind, it will start to manifest in the physical. Okay. So you believing or not believing in something happening or not happening has a direct correlation between whether that thing is going to exist in your physical experience or not. So how many people have gone and gotten the placebo in some blind study and healed themselves? Right. There was a case I read about this doctor that like he found out he had been, this dude cured himself of cancer. And then he found out he had been giving him water pills and he told the guy, he's like, dude, I just found out I've been giving you water pills for the last six months, you know? And then the guy found out their water pills and the cancer killed the dude. Oh, fuck. And so it's like from the doctor, it's like, why would you tell him that? You know, this dude just healed himself of this incurable disease, taking water pills. Right. How are you going to rain on that dude's parade? And so if you think, if, if you put this rock in your pocket, right, and you think that rock is going to improve your experience and that rock is going to improve your experience. However, if somebody that uses crystal hands somebody that doesn't, that doesn't buy it, right? Oh, I don't think that's real. I don't think that works. That crystal is not going to do anything for that person. It's not going to. The intention and the belief is a gigantic portion of the efficacy of whatever it is, whether it's a ritual practice or whether it's a crystal or whether it's alchemy or whether it's your connection with your your creator. All of this is based on, um, you could call it faith, right? And there's a difference between um, faith in the way that it's presented to us and blind faith or begging for something like it's presented in a lot of... uh, mainstream avenues but um that that connection it, that that divine connection that divine creative force is a gigantic part of of what manifests in our experience so that that placebo thing is just a form of of manifestation and you believing that something is going to dictate change and you dictating that change based on that belief 
you know? So, this place is what you make it. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, we'll, we'll end it on that note. Um, thanks for joining us today, man. That was fantastic. Thanks for uh, having me. It was a lot of yeah, fun. Yeah. Anytime Shit. you want to do it again, let me know. Yeah, yeah, yeah I was gonna we, say we, we might have to do it again because we, we we it just I love it. I love it. Just like we talk about a lot, but it's it's you know that you could write the amount of topics and just like this, 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 but it's a whole two hours, baby. Right. Right. I like these long ones, man. It's hard to it's hard to really get into things in an hour. You know? it, yeah, that's how I feel too. Like an hour is like just not quite long. It's enough to like dip your toes in the water, but you don't really get that depth out of it if you exactly. jump all the way exactly. in. You know, I had to drag well, Dan to do it, man. I we he wanted oh, to only sh- do hour and a half an hour. <laughs> <so. laughs> You're flipping it. You're flipping it. I was kidding. I that's totally it. me. I love it. Well, and I really appreciate the uh, the opportunity to be heard on your platform and uh, the new ears. And um, if there's anything I can do to help you guys, let me know. And uh, if anybody out there has questions, comments, concerns, thoughts, ideas, find me. I live on Instagram right now. Um, I've got my podcast is like set up and ready to record. I've, that one's going to be called Tea with the Hatter. Um I just have had a guest appearance at least one every weekend for the last, I mean, I've done like 12 or 13 guest appearances over the last month and a half. So I haven't really gotten around to recording mine yet, but that's coming. Um, but find me, man, reach out just like you did. You reached out. We had a conversation. We lined it up. You know, I encourage anybody that, that is interested in that networking is how we grow, you know? Um, so get a hold of me. I'm around. What's your, what's your handle? What's your handle? Hatter will happen. Hatter underscore will underscore happen. Uh, I had a page that was called the Hatter can help and it got nuked. Uh, nice. So Hatter will happen was my response to, <laughs> to the nuking of the original account. Uh, this shit's going to happen, you know? Hatter uh, will happen. Hatter will exactly. happen. Exactly. So thank you guys again. Yeah, thanks, man. Really appreciate it. And remember, people... You do you. And we're sending out the good vibes today also. And uh, wake Wake up.